Hello and welcome to Dub Talk Idol. I'm your judge for tonight, Jets, and before we start tonight's auditions, let's go over the rules for our contestants. Number one. Dub Talk Idol may contain language and content not suitable for younger audiences. We don't do clean versions on this show, so viewer discretion is advised. Second. Tonight's episode will contain spoilers for all of Carol and Tuesday and may contain spoilers for other anime series, so be careful if you haven't finished them. And thirdly. The views and opinions expressed by the individual judges tonight do not reflect those of Dub Talk Idol as a whole. Alright then, sir, you can introduce yourself and start singing. Hello, I'm Otaku McWeberson from California, and I've got the perfect number for tonight. I will be your dead man, with nothing but this blood on my ear. Stop! Stop! Atrocious. That's not worse than a dying fart. This is why anime is a mistake. Screw this, bye out. Hello, and welcome to Dub Talk, where a group of nerds come together to talk about the terrible taste of music, and even worse taste of dubs. Just complete garbage, really. Uh, anyway, I am Jet Cowell, and I'm joined tonight by Jackson. Yes, I'm just here to have a good time, listen to some good music. I hope. And Noah Abdul. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here! I, I am here on Mars, and I just think that you, uh, you two right now are the cutest things ever. This is gonna be so amazing. When did I get a gender change? Oh, thank you, baby. And, uh, let me tell you, let me tell you, that show ruled some people's lives way more than it should have back in, what was it, like 2004, 2005. Just re yeah. That brought back all kinds of memories. Thank you for that, Jet. Yeah, my, my grade school had a betting pool going. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, we're here tonight to critique two artists by the names of Carolyn Tuesday. So, if you're all familiar with these girls, here's a gist of it. Fifty years have passed since mankind began migrating to the new frontier, Mars. It's an age where most culture is produced by AI and people are content to be passive consumers. There is a girl scraping in, scraping a living in the metropolis of Alba City. She is working a part-time job while trying to become a musician. She's always felt like something is missing. Her name is Carol. There's another girl, born to a wealthy family in the provincial town of Hershel City. She dreams of becoming a musician, but nobody around her understands. She feels like the loneliest person in the world. Her name is Tuesday. A chance meeting brings them together. Uh, so, honestly, it all sort of sounds like a bit of rubbish, but the label is under Studio Bones, and they got produced by uh, Motonobu Hori and Chinichiro Watanabe. Uh, if those well, well, names sound familiar to you, it's because Motonobu Hori is the director behind the back anime, and Watanabe has directed such hits as Samurai Shampoo, Space Dandy, and the hit single Cowboy Bebop. Okay, all right, I think I'm done with this whole stick. Yeah. I, I got at least a few good minutes out of it. And uh, would you believe they got together for Bones' 20th anniversary to make this? Uh, good on them. That, yeah. that, uh, pretty uh, pretty excellent choice, given what the I've seen some music. It is, it is. Like, can you, well, I don't know what you guys did for your 20th birthday, but mine was nowhere near cool enough to get an anime base to celebrate around it. So, good on Bones for sticking around that long. Yeah. It may have just been drinking in my dorm room. 
I don't. <laughs> I don't remember that night. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was drinking going on here too. <laughs> there, there's a lot going on in this series. This, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised to everyone. Yes, this is another Shinichiro Watanabe series set in outer space with music in it. What are the odds? Uh, he, uh, he has a particular brand. He is very good at that brand, and he sits with it. That he is. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you shouted out, um, I can never pronounce his name correctly, um, Hiro, that guy, the, the one on screen there, uh, because, <laughs> uh, and Jackson remembers this too, we had a fun little episode on the Beck anime about a year ago, and, uh, I think we did a rehash some of the same talking points that we did in this series that we did in that one. Yeah, somehow I'm on a uh, musical-based episode again. I, I don't... Thankfully, you guys haven't been able to judge my musical taste thus far. No, so, oh, don't, oh, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. You'll get to spend plenty of time judging mine because I know that's enough of my music. Mm-hmm. No, no. Here, here's how we're going to judge both both of your musical tastes: is that we're uh, you're going to go to YouTube and we're going to look at the automated mixtape that it makes up. You know, the one that collects all of the music videos that you've watched mm-hmm. the most, and that's how we're going to judge your music taste. Like, uh, I'm going to do the same thing for myself right now. What pops up? Um, I mean. I'll- I mean, alternatively, you can just—I mean, alternatively, you can just say whatever your favorite song is, and you know, and that'll be a pretty good indication. <laughs> Do you have a favorite song? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, pretty, I mean, honestly, almost all the Angela songs are really good. Uh, yeah. The final, uh, the final song at the end is really good. Yeah. Oh, then, I love so- that. Uh- yeah, I, I do just love a good uh, scream from your soul, you know, about the oppression of society, or just screaming fucking bullshit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Since we're not going to get to talk about those characters, uh, fun story, uh, I was watching this show down in the basement of our house, and I thought I was all alone, and I was, because uh, everyone was watching something else, but suddenly everyone started gravitating downstairs just as the episode with the music competition was starting, and I didn't know this was coming. I had no idea. All of a sudden, the Mermaid Sisters show up. And what what do I start hearing? <laughs> fucking bullshit. Fucking, fucking bullshit. And Jennifer looks at me. The kids start looking at me like, what are you watching? I, I thought I was alone. It's not my fault. <laughs> and Noah slept on the couch that night. That he did. In fact, he's still sleeping on the couch, mm. so... I hope you people watching this appreciate this. Well, you have a whole barbershop quartet there to uh, keep you company. I thought they were good. They should have won it all. Carol and Tuesday are fine. They're like B tier at best. Those four should have won. Mermaid Sisters got robbed, you're saying? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I stand. I stand Mermaid Sisters. Acapella is underrated. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with why we're here tonight. Uh, yeah, so the three of us are here to talk about this show because we all happen to share a birthday in August, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, we decided to do this as a kind of combined birthday episode, so yeah. uh, happy birthday, fellas. Yeah, about, about two uh, months ago I slept, slid into your DMs and said, we should we should do a thing. We should all get together and uh, have a party. Yeah. So, this is that party? Yeah, sing about it. With, with robots and, and uh, antidepressant medications. Mm. But not too mm. many. Just enough. Just what the doctor prescribes, everyone. Mm-hmm. Hey. So, uh, 
yeah, since this is uh, this is the Dub Talk podcast, right? So I'm assuming we're going to be talking about the English dub of the show. Uh, yep. And as I add, as always, you cannot have a dub without ADR staff. So uh, we'll start this one off by giving our general thoughts on the voice director and adapt the script for this dub. So for the first half of the show, the dub's ADR director was one Erica Mendez, who has directed dubs for such anime as The Regular at Magic High School, Visitor Arc, Magia Record, and I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. And the back half of the dub was directed by Kyle McCarley, who was a voice director on such shows as Great Pretender and Vampire in the Garden. Both also served as the scriptwriters for the dub, and Erica Mendez has been dub scripts for shows like Food Apocrypha, Little Woods Academia, and Persona 5 the Animation. While Carla Carly has done dub scripts on such anime as Deer King, Super Crooks, and the Netflix dub of Vinland Saga. So, Jack, uh, bef- is, it, is it sad that you, you mentioned a bunch of anime there, and I have seen literally none of them? Uh, so, uh, don't feel too bad, there is a lot of anime out there. There's too much anime. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, before we dig too deep into this, I do want to take the time to talk about something important. Oh, uh, oh is it time? Is it time already? The floor is uh, yours. Uh, yeah, I wanted to get to that out of the way. So, uh, I wanted to talk about some of the casting in this dub. Uh, mainly, uh, Carol and Angela, who are two black characters being played by non-black voice actresses. Uh, this isn't a conversation I particularly want to have and I know certain types of people get mad if you bring this sort of thing up and frankly they can jump it but uh, it's important to bring up for a couple of reasons. First being that it's honestly pretty ridiculous and frankly inexcusable especially for a dub that came out in 2019. I know this does sort of predate the larger conversation people start having about casting more authentically when it comes to voice acting, but that's still nowhere close to being an excuse here. And I can probably guarantee you pretty much any other recording studio that regularly does anime wouldn't have made this call. So it's kind of baffling a studio that's been around as long as Bangtube would do this. And it's not even a matter of not having any black voice actresses on their regular casting pool or auditions because a few of them are actually in this dub playing other characters, so... It just looks weirder that the attempt wasn't made for whatever reason. And I mean, even if they didn't want to hire one of them, it also could have been a pretty cool opportunity for some other black voice actresses to get a big break, and it kind of sucks that this apparently wasn't taken into consideration at all. And also, just like being real, I also gotta say as a black person myself, I mean, I've kind of learned to roll with the reality that anime isn't always best at depicting people like me, so it kind of sucks that, you know, but we do get a series that actually put in that effort and even centers around two black characters. It kind of sucks that consideration didn't translate completely into the dub. And uh, secondly, even if you are the person who does not care about this sort of thing literally at all, in which case I don't know why you'd be watching this show. Uh, why are you here? <laughs> and this show is probably not for you. Uh, but, uh, but, even, uh, but even if you are the kind of person who does not care about this sort of thing at all, it's all a pretty bad look because this is literally a show about the importance of diversity. And no, I'm not exaggerating about this in any way when I say this. It is literally a part of the show seems like it's literally about immigrants and how like the marginalized are just kind of trying to make their way in the world. The villains are literally a couple of evil billionaires trying to deport immigrants so they can help out the planet. And, you know, the deportation squad is literally 
abbreviated advice, like, the show is not subtle about who it's criticizing. No, it is not. It is right up there with Pro Mare's, um, we're going to have, I forget what the name they gave, but it was also, a, like, a, almost The Freezer Force? Themed. Yeah, the Freezer yeah, Force. Thank you, thank you, for, uh, for the anti-immigrant, uh, police in that movie as well. To literally yeah. use ice, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, and even the sequel for Carol, uh, Die, Brie X, I hope I didn't butcher that, is also black, so I guarantee you she would have been hired if Watanabe and Hori didn't care, you know, at least a little bit about diversity and authenticity, so again, it kind of sucks this wasn't completely carried over to the dub. To be clear, I'm not faulting either the actors here, I thought they did a pretty good job given the circumstances, and I know... Voice acting for anime isn't exactly high-paying work, so I'm not going to blame anyone for, you know, trying to put food on the table. I'm also not blaming any of the ADR directors here, because from everything I've been told over the years, like, ADR directors at Magzoom have very little or no say at all about casting anyway. Who I would lay blame on here in this case would be the casting director, uh, Mami Okada, who is the regular casting director at Magzoom. And while I've heard, like, some not great things about her secondhand over the years. I don't know her, and I don't want to sit here and actively demonize her or her choices. I'm just a fan, not a casting director, and I don't know much about anything about what goes into the kinds of decisions. Uh, but regardless of why she made this particular call, I don't think it was a very good one, and uh, yeah, it's just honestly kind of disappointing. And uh, to her credit, I do think she has gotten better about this sort of thing over the years, and uh, with the current landscape of English subs for anime being what they are, Bang Zoom is currently one of the studios that's actually casting the widest net when it comes to anime these days. But uh, even so, it still doesn't change the fact that there were problems with how this show was casted. Well, I do generally like this sub, but I think I could, you know, discuss it in good faith without breaking this up. I think it's important to have these kind of conversations because, regardless of what some people might tell you, acknowledging that diversity is important can usually lead to a better end project. And uh, also, on that note, while I know I zeroed in on Carol and Angela for this particular conversation, I do also want to note that this show does have a lot of queer rap and not, and while not all of it is particularly great, I do also think it would have been good to have more queer actors in the dub for those characters besides, uh, Maybe Allegra Clark is Gus's ex, who uh, did a pretty good job there. And that's also another point I'd maybe knock off the dub. But, uh, yeah, that's more or less it for my soapboxing. Uh, sorry if it went a little long, and I promise the rest of the episodes would be pretty fun. <laughs> but, I well, need, I'm glad you... but I need to get that out of the way before we talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's t good to address that now, because that uh, anyone who knows anything about this series probably is uh, aware of that controversy, and it's good to address that up front. It's the same reason why we, we devoted a section of the Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid episode to, like, discuss that controversy, and, like, okay, we're done with that. Let's move on to talking about stuff that's not that. Yeah, yeah like, this was, this was a pain point for that discussion in particular, and it really did, like, start this conversation and start making change, because people did make noise about it and did get upset and then uh we held uh bang zoom's feet to the fire and change was actually enacted later down the line so they're not making these same mistakes as often which yeah. is why yeah. it's important to have these conversations exactly yeah you, yeah you mentioned jet that uh discussions weren't quite as heated in 2019 as they are now 
it was definitely this show that kind of helped spark that discussion. So yeah, uh, yeah, not, yeah, not this show particularly, but I do remember it was a pretty big talking point. Right. It's I mean, it's good that if this was cast now in 2022 and they decided to dub it now, they would probably take that. I yeah. almost guarantee they would take that into consideration. Yeah. Like yeah. I was prepared to make the like devil's advocate defense that they're trying to match the voices because part of the stuff is that. Uh, all the singing is originally in English. They had guest singers and guest artists provide the vocals for all the music. Uh, but that's not really the case. It's not really a voice match to uh, the music. Yeah, I mean, at best I can see it being a case of trying to voice match to the Teyu, but, like, even then, again, uh, I know I, like, vaguely alluded to this, but, like, there are black voice actors in this dub, some who I know have a similar vocal register to, uh, to uh, the actresses playing Carol and Angela, so I know they probably could have played those characters, but yeah, again, absolutely. I'm not a casting director. I do not know why the choice was made. I just don't think it was a particularly yeah. good one in this case. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, yeah. uh, this is a very diverse uh, work in general. Of course, like a lot of Watanabe's work has been like this, even when he's just a music producer on like Michiko and Hachin. If I'm no. if I'm not being a liar, uh, like, yeah. like th this is a consistent theme for him as well. Oh, so, so oh yeah, oh yeah, he has been like very upright about how he feels about that. So it it definitely misses the mark not incorpor not incorporating that same worldly view into uh, the English dub. Which is yeah. very sad, considering that uh, Japan is a lot more homogenous uh, racial-wise than America is. And the show is very clearly trying to emulate the the appeal of American music, or at the very least, Western music. Because you've got all of the song titles, all of the episodes are named after... What are they named after? Uh, record Songs labels. From the, from the English-speaking world, right? And it, some of it's from uh, Britain, a lot of it's from America... And so it's definitely the intent was to make the cast and the music as diverse as the countries that it's emulating. So, yeah, it is a shame that that mark got missed when it came to the casting side of things. Yeah. Uh, so um, I guess moving slightly away from that conversation, yeah. uh, I do want to say that, like, as far as the actual voice direction here goes. I do think that Eric and Kyle both did a pretty good job here. This is a very uh, this is a very solid sounding dub on the whole. Like, it's a, uh, like everyone sounds pretty well directed. Uh, performances are really solid. There's no one I would like. Aside, aside, aside from the cast of complaints, there's no performances here I would really like to actively complain about. Mm -hmm. No, no. Uh, I will pick on one more casting thing that's m much more petty. Uh, what was the Keith Silverstein st scene store score for this dub? Because I counted like ten bit parts that were Keith. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I was, okay, to, okay. To be fair, he's literally in like everything. It's like if you need someone to play bit characters in a Cali yeah. dub, you you just call up Keith Silverstein. Yeah. I, so, so Jack. I, I don't want to pick on him hard, but he's very easy to pick out of a crowd. And he's he was popping up a lot. So it's it's like in American cartoons, 
uh, when you're just listening for the Tom Kenny background character roles, and he's like, there he is, there he is, there's he, all over the place. Like, take a shot every time you hear Tom Kenny. It's the same thing in this dub with Keith Silverstein. It's a real Where's Waldo. Uh, uh, yeah. Although, I mean, I think the uh, to counter that a little bit, in looking at the cast that we're going to talk about here, none of the main speaking characters are double cast. Uh, there's no one that I can see here who has, you know, is covering two or more named characters. Everybody got their own voice actor. Yep, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that much at least. Yep. It tends to be the case with uh, union dues, right? You, you work so many guaranteed hours, you need to record a bunch of parts to fill, fill those in. It, it just happens. Yep. And oh, oh god, do we have a lot of characters in this whole thing. Uh, yeah. It's uh, a two-core treat, people. Yeah, so, yeah, I think direction is solid, and script is also uh, pretty fun. Admittedly, there were a couple of points where I felt like maybe it could be, like, a little punchier, just, you know, given the nature of the show, but... But it had enough fun with the dialogue that I like never had too many complaints about that. And, yeah. there, was a, and, and there were some pretty like fun one-liners sprinkled throughout it. Especially I... just everything Toby says. <laughs> uh, shit might <laughs> yeah, be they... my favorite curse word. It's very definitely... versatile. versatile. Yeah, they definitely uh, reserved the more colorful language for the, the older crotchety characters. Um, everybody else seems to have a very similar vocabulary. Um, there's like, everyone is like uh, kind of just nice speaking patterns. Uh, not a whole lot of, uh, forgive the pun, color in a lot of their languages. And uh, yeah, there, it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of localization that needed to be done in turning this into English because there's not a whole lot of plot points that need to be adapted in a way that make it easy to understand. And the world, because um, this takes place on Mars, this takes place in the future on Mars, there's a lot of technology, but the characters don't spend a whole lot of time describing it. There's like maybe a little bit with Dao where he has to describe what he's doing to try to help Angela's performance, but aside from that, we don't hear a whole lot of descriptions about the robots that uh, repossess the house, or the delivery drones, or the camera bots, or basically all the billion other robots that are in are scattered around this world. Yeah, I mean, mean, there isn't I mean, much uh, techno babble in this. It's all yeah, just kind of magic. Yeah, I mean, if you do want the explanation, uh, you could probably just watch Kobo Bebop, because I'm pretty sure this takes place in the same universe. More than likely. They definitely cribbed the same holodome, uh, you know, everyone's living on Mars, to the uh, point that when they break the the weather machine, uh, the temperature starts to go down because, hey, in real life, Mars is freezing cold. Yeah, and, and I mean, and you know, uh, it also has the same currency, so, uh, yeah. Wulongs! <laughs> you know, the nice Wulong trilogy uh, where Space Dandy is the far future. <laughs> I, I don't know if it quite lines up timeline-wise. This, this future uh, is uh, way uh, too clean to be related uh, to the Cowboy Bebop future. Okay, uh, I, I mean, uh, it's clean if you have money. If you don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if you live like in is, uh, Mars, New York City, yeah, because it feels like this is the um, like soon after that lunar gate explosion happened because they haven't really talked about populating other planets and there's uh, I think it, they actually they celebrate a new year in the show and it's like we've been on this planet for like fifty years now or something like that. 
So a little before the, the timeline of Cowboy Bebop, if you want to get pedantic about it. Earth is consistently a shithole. That's, that's true. Ah, uh, that is true. You think that was commentary? <laughs> you know, it did take me a while to realize that the moon in the sky is actually the Earth uh, in, in the night that sky. That bugged me. That bugged the hell out of me. Because, like, the moon... I'm sorry, the Earth is not that big from Mars's perspective. It's the same way that Mars is not that big in our night sky. It shouldn't look like a moon. Just to tell you what kind of sci-fi series this is. I, I guess so. I mean, I was expecting shout-outs to the actual moons of Mars, you know? But, nope, we can't have that. We gotta make Earth look like it's way closer than it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. I did want to mention but, one uh, thing with the writing uh, before we move off of them. I, there's a lot of uh, manipulative characters in this dub, and the mm-hmm. the writing is getting real good at like zeroing in on the language that they use to get what they want, uh, which I thought was uh, really well executed. So I want to shout that out, particularly in the first half of the series. Uh, it, it, uh, yeah, I agree. That was uh, pretty well done. Did it bother you that the the manipulative characters uh, that their voices were not made, uh, I suppose, more maniacal sounding than they could have? Uh, that's, that's, oh, that's, oh no! Especially given who some of those characters are, I think uh, as, I, I think uh, they worked enough to make them sound, I guess, yeah. as realistic as you could. Yeah. I, I'm not relying on the uh, voice in those scenarios to convey that, convey intention like that. I, I don't think they, they're yeah, trying to hide their intentions. So right, if it doesn't come across go. like that, that's what I mean. Yeah. There's a, a, you know, there's some characters in Cowboy Bebop, not to go back to that show over and over, but where the, the evilness was, like, ramped up a lot more as a much more cartoony universe. This is a show that feels like they're definitely aiming for a, a more grounded reality. Yeah, so, uh, yeah the most cartoony cartoony side of characters in this um, are probably the ones who are the most explicitly evil and also guts, I guess. <laughs> I, I, the Mermaid I Sisters are the, pretty cartoony. Yeah, I was going to say, the ones who are, like, the most camp are the ones who get to be the most uh, over-the-top acting. Yeah. We do get some good faces off of Carol and Tuesday themselves. This is true. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of the, like, animation is very realism-focused. Uh, practically rotoscoped. Noah, you'd be the expert here, but the, like, musical performances are uh, pretty true-to-life, kind of in how they move. Like, the drawings kind of mishmash around the screen because it looks like they're oh, I'm trying pretty, to match, like, think... the 3D elements to it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they're uh, rotoscoped. I'm pretty sure those stage performances are um, they're, they're 3D renderings because the, the movements and the frame count goes up way higher and you can see, like, the, the slight stiffness that comes when you have characters on a rig yeah. that is, is separate from the non-musical performances where yeah you get those crazy facial expressions yeah. Yeah. um but that's kind of a common trope in most anime these days if you watch anything that has an idol performance a stage performance a band performance uh even going back to beck when they have uh to you know animate the the stage performances they tend to use uh cg or 3d to uh, keep the realism element as much as they can yeah. I really only spot it when they're like 
in interfacing with the instruments themselves, like uh, Carol playing the piano. Like that's the only spot I'm really like noticing the the 3D rig. I think the rest mm -hmm. of it is like a good illusion of 2D animation. I yeah, mean, they, they I do mean, blend I, the two. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it was. I mean, it, this is still both we're talking about. Yeah. That it is. I, I can't get out of this without talking about the visual elements. Uh, excuse me for going off on that tangent. Oh, so, oh no, it's cool. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add, Noah? That, as far as the script writing and the acting, um, I'm going to have uh, a surprisingly short amount of notes on the individual actors because everyone is consistently good throughout all of this. Um, both Erica and Kyle seem to grasp the grounded reality aspect that is necessary for this kind of a show. Because it's, it is both a rise-to-the-top musician story, which we've all heard and enjoyed before, but it's also got a lot of commentary on the current political climate. Um, I say current because even though this was made back in the late 2010s, we're still dealing with a lot of those elements today. So, yeah, the more over-the-top aspect and the uh, way that it's directed is meant to make you almost forget that you're even watching a dubbed performance or an animated series of any kind, which I think they succeeded at. There are many times where my I'm watching animation mode just kind of turned off and you just enjoy the audio as you would any performance. Hmm. So that's, oh. uh, there's, a, there's a lot of characters in this whole thing, aren't there? Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, we should uh, probably get to them. Uh, so All for... Right. Yep, so for the first batch of characters, I need to ask, are you ready for American Idol? Oh, wait, no, no, this is called Mars Brightest. Yeah, oh. let, let's go with that. I, I, if There's I no copyright so. on the moon! <laughs> <laughs> are we going to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism? Yeah. Mars! Uh, we can do what we want. Uh, uh, somewhere in the universe, Tim Curry is crying right now. Uh, and so anyway, you can't have a fake American Idol without some competitors and judges, so let's run them down. <laughs> uh, we've got Peter, a social media star who wants to become a singer and make himself even more popular, which, you know, next to the discrimination against immigrants, the next most impressive thing about this series is the implication that Instagram will be the one social media platform to endure through the space age frontier. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one that gets uh, dropped, like their logo gets dropped. No TikTok, no YouTube. It's all just Instagram. We have truly failed yeah. as a species. There, well, I mean, well, that yeah. that was yeah, well before this show. There's an in-canon Instagram account for Carol and Tuesday you could follow right now. Yeah. Uh, so continuing, we also have uh, Cybele, a singer who is very interested in Tuesday and a bit too aggressive about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's also GGK, a singer who believes she is one with the universe. Catherine, our Simon Cowell standard, because, you know, you can't not have one of those in these kind of shows. You need a judge to be a heel. And then, uh, there's Benito, who serves as a very nice judge. And Shakti, who is an AI robot dog who got brought on as a guest judge, because, literally, why not? Hey, you tell me right now that if there was a robot dog guest starring on The Voice, that you wouldn't tune into that right away? Oh, absolutely. I rest my case. What's, uh, what's the voice? 
You I, tell me. Oh, I don't watch oh, TV. But, no, no, that's good. That's good. Okay, actually, no, Jet, we're not going to tell Jackson. We're, we're going to allow him to live in a world where he doesn't need to know about that. Because that's a happier world than what you and I live in. Mm. Uh, so, anyway, playing Piotr, we have Eric Kimber. Playing Sabelle is Laura Stahl. Playing TTK is Mel Lee. Playing Catherine is Roberto Lemons. Playing Benito is Zog Gerholtz. And playing Shakti is David Vincent. Uh, Eric Kimber has played such characters as Haruki Arita in Excel World, Ryu Takise in Kuroko's Basketball, and Speed of Sound Sonic in One Punch Man. Laura Stolls has played such characters as Rain in Promise Neverland, Sister in Akadama Drive, and Dorothy in The Great Pretender. Mel Lee has played such characters as Erika Karasawa in Dororop, Yuki Cross in Vampire Night, and Rintone Saka from Books of the Fate franchise. Doug Erholtz has played such characters as Asuma Sarutobi and Naruto, Jean-Pierre Polderapha and Joseph Bizarre Adventures, Stratus Crusaders, and Inspector Zenigata for most modern iterations of the Loop on the Third franchise. Yes. David Vincent has played such characters as Vaughn of the Dawn and Gunnack Sword, Grim Dow and Bleach, and Skonosuke Oda in Buko Street Dogs. Uh, as for Roberta Lemons, Catherine is the only character credited to her name, but I'm pretty sure this is an alias. Uh, normally, we try to honor aliases on this show, unless it's a much older title we're dealing with. Uh, but in this case, I am pretty confident the actor in question was the late police sampler, and with how prolific she was, I kind of want to give credit where it's due, or wasn't in this case, I guess. So, uh, yeah. Can't well get yeah. them in uh, trouble with the union now. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I feel like uh, we can probably get the uh, judges uh, out of the way first. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you call them bad JoJo's? They're not all bad. <laughs> but, well, one of them is very bad. V- very bad. Sybil is a bad, bad person. Uh, and honestly, uh, Laura uh, seems to be having the most fun with that character. Uh, 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 yeah, Sybil is a very bad person. Uh, also... Again, like, uh, not a great stereotype, but yeah. Long story short, uh, stalkers are not welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you got an unhealthy obsession with a celebrity, musician, a YouTuber person, go touch some grass, because they, they, they don't want to be your friend. They, they, you're not entitled to their friendship. Don't yeah. do what this girl does. Yeah, it kind of felt like Sybil was there because uh, they really wanted Carol and Tuesday to, I guess, like, have some kind of falling out, but didn't want to be, like, super super melodramatic about it. So I guess mm-hmm. that's what Sybil was there for. And I mean, yeah. it, and I mean in that respect, she, like, does, does the job. It's just kind of like, yeah, and the stereotype is kind of a little annoying. Uh, but for but for what it's worth, I do think Laura Saul did like a good job with the performance, like sounding you know appropriately like obsessive and clingy in a way that is kind of like unsettling. So I think in that respect, it worked pretty well. And also, and also while Sybil is like a not good person, I do sort of appreciate the gimmick of her like singing in French. I thought that was like pretty amusing. But I think she was also trying to go for a, a believably androgynous uh, voice, which um, I'm not sure if that was one of the um, LGBT elements that uh, Watanabe was trying to include into the show, 
but it definitely uh, helped set the range of female characters that we had. Because none of the other female characters are really, you know, androgynous. They're either, uh, you know, explicitly female or uh, non-binary. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, basically. We have uh, we have other better lesbians in this show to stand. Oh, we we will get to them. Yes, we will. Yeah, but you know, this is also a part of representation. You can let them be baddies, as well. Uh, oh, uh, God, do you have to use that term, baddies. Uh, yeah, that's been forever ruined by certain people. Did uh, Did you hear about this, Jackson? What, what? about the word bad baddies being um, co opted? Oh, was this? Oh, I do know what this story is now. This was yes. drama I tried to ignore. Yeah, and we won't get into the details, but long story short, some people on the internet, people, have uh, started to use the word baddies as a term for, like, hot girls. Mm -hmm. Not the way that it's supposed to be used, but that term. So, um, yeah, I can't. That, that word's going to take a little getting used to for me no. to hear it with fresh They, they can't have it. They can't have it. <laughs> they can't have it. I mean, that's, I mean, it has been around. I mean, that term has been around in that way for like quite a while, but it's kind of annoying for sure. Yeah. Anyways, it's the joke I was going to make is you can't just bite things to claim them as your own. <laughs> uh, uh, you yeah. can't. No. Yeah. Noah, do, oh, do you have some explaining to do? Well, well, that's how Jen got me. I, I assume that's how all girls get their prey. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You might want to check that marriage certificate. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, moving on. Um, I also liked uh, Melody as a G2K. She didn't, like, speak a whole lot, but I thought she did a good job of, you know, making Ennis character sound, like, very ethereal in a fake kind of way, which I guess sort of adds to the gimmick. And I, and I also thought that G2K had, like, a couple of... I thought her songs were pretty good. Yeah, I've never heard Mello yeah. do that kind of a voice before. That like this very low, commanding, uh, ethereal voice. I've never heard her yeah. do that before. In tune with the universe. Uh, yeah. To be fair, yeah. I've never seen a character like this in anything before. So, unique character calls for unique voice. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I didn't do like that. Uh, that well, it wasn't like you know, that. Well, you know, they didn't go too deep into what her character did. Sort of adds any whole like greater story about like um, immigrants kind of you know like you know kind of trying to find their way on Mars because he was also in a like similar situation before she got into competition and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, at, at this point they're still being a little bit subtle, so they're sprinkling in characters like GGK to uh, yeah. to uh, show other walks of life. You know, you need yeah. some you need some variety in the contestants, especially even at the semifinals. Yep, and uh, then we have uh, Eric Kimmer as Piotr, who is just clearly having a lot of fun playing this character. <laughs> so much. He's a, he is so fam, like uh, so fey. No, that's not the word. Uh, it's yeah, it's camp. He's very camp. Yeah. He, it's rem reminding me of like boy band or like male idol, uh, kind of. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What I appreciate is that it would be very easy to make this character be like extremely mean, but like, well, he is like, well, he's pretty full of himself and like a little obnoxious. He's like. Never particularly antagonistic in any way towards, like, Carol and Tuesday or anyone else, really. He's just kind of, like, mm -hmm. doing his own thing. And I thought that was, like, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. He's just here for attention, and he's getting lots of it, so he's happy. I, I am very 
uh, intrigued that uh, the, the staff who made this show are on the older side, I think that's fair to say, but they definitely retained the, um, that uh, the modern generation, and this goes for us too, even though we're a little older, love attention. The entire internet culture is about gaining attention and the approval of others. So I'm, I'm glad that they embody that in this character because that's not really what Carol and Tuesday are all about. So it had to go to a different character. Yeah. Even uh, Catherine was one over. Pow, pow. Uh. But, but question. Um, did any of you guys think that it was going to be a twist that Catherine was Pyotr's mother? Uh, no, no. Can't say it. Can't say uh, it. Yeah, I can't okay. say that either. All right. There was, like, some body language and the way that their uh, characters were designed that made me think, like, this is going to be like one of those uh, twist reveals that, uh, that that he's her son or something at the end. But I, I was thinking too hard about it. Yeah. Uh, so, two things you're pretty good is I thought uh, Doug or Holtz and David Vincent did like a pretty good job as like uh, Benito and Chucky over here. Like, Doug or Holtz like playing the very, very nice one and like doing a good job <laughs> of sounding very, very over the top nice in a way that is also kind of a little annoying and it was very well done yeah very very true to the uh inspiration very true and, and and then david vincent just being a very chill ai robot dog with like some real with like some really good one letters about like oh you know like what would i know about having a soul <laughs> yeah he starts he introduces himself as i am going to judge your performance as a robot would and then when all uh, Carol Tuesday are explaining that we wanted to inject soul into our music, all David's got to say is, I thought it was really good. I thought there was a lot of soul. But what would I know about having a soul? Cue laugh track. <laughs> catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> it inputs, uh, push a button, out comes the catchphrase, was a lot of uh, that character, I think. Yeah. And, and almost uh, the same is true for uh, Catherine a little bit, because she's She's saying every single time, oh, this was a real hard decision. This was the most difficult decision yet. That, that's, that's showmanship. You know, that, that, in television, you, you got to build up the suspense. If you think it's one-sided, one person's definitely going to win. No one's going to watch it. you got to make people think that it was a tough choice. Mm. Also, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and to her credit, you know, because uh, she did give the impression that somebody does, like, take her job very seriously. I thought that was perfect. I thought that was reflected in Roberta's performance here. Television scripting. That is kind of the sensation I was getting from this stretch of the show. That makes yeah, sense. Uh, it, yeah, I do also appreciate that since she was the like, most prominent of the of the three judges here, you do kind of see her a little bit past this arc. Like, particularly uh, when it comes to Carol and Tuesday trying to get their first contract. And her, mm-hmm. like, I guess not trying to actively screw them over, but, you know... Kind of being like, oh, well, you know, you've got to, like, understand that, like, uh, record labels get to have control, and that's just business. Mm-hmm. And I, and I yeah. thought that, like, Roberta got that across pretty well. She, she also got the, the hard-nosed, um, you're late, um, and the rules dictate that you should be disqualified, and, you know, she's not budging from that but it's not in a mean vindictive way it, it's in the very much like if i bend the rules for you i have to bend it for everyone and then it's anarchy yeah but this is a 90s feel-good movie so uh i'm gonna bend the rules this time <laughs> 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 I kinda, 
I mean, okay, I mean, to be okay, I mean, to be fair, that actually was a good song. That is like next to Mother. That is probably my like favorite song from uh, Carolyn Two, the particular uh, their first one. If, if we are having this discussion, it's the uh, opening, uh, "Kiss yeah. Me" for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, "Kiss Me" is also good. Uh, I didn't really care for the second OP that much. That is probably the worst song from those two. I feel. <laughs> It's not a bad, but I, I, yeah, I feel yeah, like it's yeah, most it's, forgettable. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not bad. It's just kind of like, it's very kind of forgettable pop compared to Wait, all the other songs. Yeah, if we want to talk about the music for just a second, or for the insert song specifically, I didn't really feel there were any bad songs. There were just some that were a little more forgettable than others. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found a lot of it like easy listening. Like uh, We mentioned mm-hmm. that it's appealing to uh, American tastes, particularly. Like I could believe this... Uh, playlist filling out a top 40 quite like across the entire uh, repertoire of the show in this day and age maybe not this day and age but it is like there it is like a nostalgic feeling for a lot of these songs like uh, I would put this on and go like go for a drive type of uh, sound just listening to the radio but but the ultimate question, Jackson, is it better than the Beck Mongolian Chop Squad soundtrack? No, and uh, I'm gonna try to describe why. Uh, I had I learned this concept, or I'm still in this concept from a different podcast of the variety of songs of, that you can broadly uh, drop into three categories of ballads, uh, belters, and. Uh, Ballads, Belters, and what was the third one? Badass? Bangers. Bangers. Ballad. So there there are a lot of ballads in this show. Uh, yes. Uh, not a lot of bangers. The, the occasional bop and the occasional belter, but not really. It's a, it's a, lot, of, it's a lot of ballads of just like mm-hmm. easy listening uh, guitar solos and acoustic solos. So, I, and that, I was appreciating a lot of the uh, variety uh, across that. Otherwise, so like Carol and Tuesday aren't aren't my favorite uh, musicians in this. I probably liked a uh, character we'll talk about later a lot more. I don't feel like that's a controversial statement because uh, uh, it's yeah, it, it's definitely not for everyone. And I don't feel like their kind of music is the kind that uh, we in this day and age would choose to listen to on loop. It's definitely good for like. Um, you know, like you've heard the the Fleetwood Mac album rumors, right? I must have. I, I don't know it by name, but I'm sure if you played three notes from it. Oh, it's it's the one with all the hit songs on it. It's okay. got "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow," "Go Your Own Way," um, and uh, in the middle of there of that great album is the song "Songbird," which is you know, like a slow, soft, cool song that kind of is the closest to the Carol and Tuesday sound to it. So, like, I'm imagining if you had an album that was all songbirds and there were no um, uh, secondhand news or uh, any of the other songs in there, then it wouldn't be as big of a bop. Because you're right, you need bops and bangers as much as you need ballads. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we get to move on to the next section. Yep. Yeah, let's so. leave American Idol behind. Tangent, yeah, right. like, tangent over. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so now that we talked about the Wannabes, it's time to move on to the big musicians in this show. So we've got Skip Collins, Crystal, Desmond, Flora, Ezekiel, and Johnny Erdogan. 
Uh, so Skip is a popular singer who's equated with Crystal. Uh, Crystal is another popular singer who Carol and Tuesday both look up to. Desmond is a reclusive, non-binary singer who has generally cut themselves off from the world. Uh, Flora is a singer who Carol idolized as a child and was also Augustus' former partner. Ezekiel is a popular rapper who was later revealed to be Carol's childhood friend Amir, who immigrated to Mars like she did, but has also gone through harder times. And Vasily Erdogan is the most popular DJ at Mars, who is extremely full of himself, and holds a gr- bit of a grudge against Carol and Tuesday when they started the fire at his house after they- he did <laughs> You know what? Fair. <laughs> you, you know what? That's That's a reasonable grudge to hold. I mean, he was also really, he was also really mean, but like, they didn't say that hard as ass. But by the way, Jet, you, you didn't introduce him correctly. You don't just introduce him as Johnny Ettergun. You gotta go, DJ Ettergun! Uh. <laughs> he, he enters the stage by going, gone, gone, the form of man, become the DJ Ettergun. There you go. We the best music! Uh, yeah, so uh, playing Skip, we have Imari Williams. And for Crystal, we have Cretina Valenzuela. For Desmond, we have Patrick Seitz. And for Flora, we have Rebecca Thomas. Playing Ezekiel with Zeta Robinson. And Lassie Erdogan is played by Ray Chase. Uh, Imari Williams has played such characters as Lev Aldridge in 86, Zod in Berserk 2017, and Whole Horse in Joseph is Our Adventure, Sardis Crusaders. Uh, Christina Valenzuela has played such characters as Hobra in the Paula Maggi Madoka Mexican franchise, Koa Zoldick in Hunter Hunter 2011, and Louise in a Familiar of Zero. Patrick Seitz has played such characters as Luke Valentine in Helsing Ultimate, Mao in German God in Luxus in Fairy Tale. Rebecca Thomas has played such characters as Sheena Eden in 86, Sister Crota in The Promised Neverland, and Valkyrie Yuna in Eden Zero. Zeta Robinson has played such characters as Vanitas in the case of Vanitas, Taka Kagami in Kirikos Basketball and Go and Buffalo Journeys. And lastly, Ray Chase has played such characters as Russell Elliott in Kobotu Kanabad with the Dorphins, Asamuda Goto in March Kazinda Kalayan, and Karamatsu in Mr. Osamatsu. I'm just mad that they, they didn't introduce these characters earlier in the show. Like, I feel like. Like, these characters are, like, a wide range of interesting talent and personalities, and they're used so sparingly, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, I mean, to be f- okay, I mean, to be fair, most, I would say, like, most of them, at least half of them are introduced in the first half of the show, and then, like, the rest of them kind of, like, slowly introduced throughout the second half, but I guess to be fair, like, when those other characters are introduced in the second half, they need to easily to, like, say something important about, like, the whole immigrant story. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. The, like, like, Skip gets introduced in the music festival that they don't pr- uh, get to a premiere in, except they kind of do. Um, and yeah, he's just kind of introduced, and that's it until we need him again. Uh, and then Desmond, Flora, and Ezekiel aren't introduced until like the last third of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I did find the second half of this show a lot more interesting, uh, which, you know, works against the Netflix. Uh, release model for the show because I think I dropped it originally uh, having watched only the first half and then had to wait six months for the second half to come out and and then I just didn't uh, didn't pick it back up when it when it came back which is unfortunate 
I mean, uh, it, it, that does say quite a bit that uh, what you saw in the show wasn't intriguing enough to make you want to pick it back up when the second half dropped. Right, Cause, exactly. Because the first half is primarily focused on this uh, American Idol uh, parody, practically. Yeah. So, and yeah. and then we get into the good shit in the second half of like why we make music and and shit. Well, and that's also uh, the one that really amps up the uh, the more political commentary section of it. There are bits and pieces of it in the first half of it, but yeah, you're right. It was much more focused on the the pageantry and the learning about the music industry side of it. Uh, yeah, I guess we're like, well, you know, we got we need Carol Tuesday to like make their way to the music industry so we can like then get to the actually important stuff. Yeah, I guess I just again, it's just that there's a wide range of characters here that. Unlike shows like, uh, unlike episodic series where you have like characters who don't come back in other episodes, this show does, and you had the opportunity to integrate them throughout the show in more interesting ways. Like we're not going to talk about them, but there's a backup band that Carol and Tuesday get, and they just pick them up off the river. They show up for a little bit, and that's it. You know, like they're not built up. It's just poof, they're there. Yeah. It- they aren't the focus of the show. What do you want from us? This <laughs> uh, is the Carol did, and Tuesday show. I, I didn't think that whole introduction. I didn't think that whole introduction was like pretty funny. That's like where you're like, hey, we need a bunch of things. Like, hey, we need a backup band. They find them. And like, oh, it was easy. Just... Always, it was like, it was like, oh, it was easy. We just flirted with them a little bit, and they just decided to join up with us. Give them a little Valentine's chocolate and their putty in your hands. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so. Um, Getting into these characters, I feel like we can probably start with skipping Crystal since they aren't uh, in not uh, mm-hmm. since they aren't in the show quite as much as the others. But I did like, but I did like both of them a lot. Uh, Im- uh, Imari, uh, I always like, I've always liked Imari Williams and like pretty much everything he does. I think he, does, I think he does. I think he brings a pretty good uh, quality to Skip. He just makes him sound like a pretty down to earth dude. Yeah. He's he's got a lot of great presence. Even though he's like very uh, soft-spoken, so I I enjoyed uh, whenever he was on screen. He definitely provides a prof- a professional feel uh, because they're, we're dealing with performers who are pros. They are being paid for what they're doing, and the, he's introduced at a point where Carol and Tuesday aren't sure if they're going to be able to do well in front of an audience. So then we get Imari conveying the sense of confidence that a seasoned performer needs to have if you're going to perform music in front of a live audience. Yeah, in front of yeah. your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I almost forgot about that part. Ah, yeah. It, it, that's a great bit of characterization where uh, Crystal and Skip were an item at one point, uh, and he's still performing uh, the songs that she wrote or produced, as it were. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I do think they have like a. I didn't really have like pretty decent on-screen chemistry whenever like they were around each other, and, and I thought that was like pretty interesting. The, the uh, two times they're on screen together. Yeah. And uh, 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 while, again, he wasn't, like, in the back half of the show as much as I wish he was, like, uh, Imari did nail the important scenes uh, that he needed to particularly... Uh, particularly ones where he's, like, uh, helping Carolyn Tuesday, uh, like, produce her first single. I thought that whole thing was pretty fun. Like, hey, you guys actually got Toby the Poobo. It really took you, like... 36 tries, that's a new record. 
as a, as a, and then he wait and then he waited a scene where like he's like walking down the street with his buddies and like he's getting harassed by the cops because they don't like his music and I thought that scene was a uh, very true to life yeah. and a lot of this is a little on the nose isn't it <laughs> where, where it escalates Eddie. very quickly for no go- good goddamn reason yep and Amari uh, got the frustrations of that across really really well and mm. uh, that was very well done mm-hmm. and uh, uh, hmm? yeah I, uh, Christina's uh, crystal isn't really given um, like a quirk I didn't feel like um, there, there's no like I kind of expected that with a show like this, that there may be like um, pastiches of real life musicians interjected into the characters, and I couldn't really get a grasp on who Crystal was supposed to be. Like, if she was supposed to be like a real life person, or was she just an amalgamation of nice, popular I, singer yeah. person? It, it's showing my ignorance, but I was getting Beyonce vibes off of her. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was also thinking Beyonce. Really. Yeah. Not not so much the uh, put a ring on it, Beyonce, but uh, the th- that kind of uh, ballad vibe to her uh, music. I, like I current number good. one is is the vibe that they're going for with the, this character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely yeah. yeah. It's definitely supposed to be an, an American performer of some kind. Uh, uh, but, yeah. Uh, Regardless, I thought it, I thought that Christina did a good job of you know giving her like a pretty as a, a, like a pretty good sentence a pretty good sense of presence where you can tell that like yeah this is a really popular singer who was like very clearly like earned her reputation and um, and her career and uh, that all comes off pretty well whenever Crystal's like interacting with other characters. As, mm-hmm. uh, as, and I was kind of amused by the whole bit where, like, she agreed to do a song with Carol on Tuesday and they get, like, really nervous about the possibility that, like, she won't like the song because she's turned down other people before. And it's, mm-hmm. and then, like, and then, like, seeing her Instagram with her, like, having the headphones on, I thought that was, like, pretty funny. This track is golden! <laughs> Which, that's got to be break some NDA of some kind. I mean, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, she didn't say what she was listening to, so it could okay. be anything. You know, that's true. That there are voice actors who say like, mm-hmm. "I'm recording today" without saying what they're actually mm-hmm. recording. So, okay, I guess you're right. Yeah, you you get a lot of oh my god, I've been waiting, I've been wanting to work on this property for ages, and then no further information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can get away with that. Mm. Uh, now. Uh, it's a, I, I'm sorry, uh, are you got anything else on Christina? Uh, no, I think we're good to move on to the uh, next character. So, I don't get this character. Or rather, I don't get what purpose he serves in the narrative. I don't get Desmond, why Desmond was introduced. Uh, as, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, Watanabe wanted to have more, uh, done by Nary Rep, I guess. That kind of seemed why they were here. And, well, was he? Yeah, it was a bit of an awkward inclusion compared to, like, some of the other uh, characters here. But I did, like, as I mean, I did like Desmond for the most part. They seem, like, uh, they seem pretty, they seem pretty chill. I think they are one of the first other characters to say, like, this is why I make music. This is why I do the things I do. I, I want to leave my mark on, on the world. Like, you get, you get okay. a cu- couple other people of, like, we want to express ourselves and this and that, but he's, but they are one of the first to 
really zero in on that and try to pass that message along. Dude, but yeah, there's that sense, and Patrick does an interesting job uh, with their uh, their cork, you know, the, to make them stand out from the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also seemed like it was a section for them to explain the more sci-fi elements of this a little bit. Like, some people's bodies just kind of have a, a reaction to the Mars landscape. Some people, it makes them... It, it blurs their gender a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, readjusts their brain chemistry a little bit, and they feel uh, more themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, to be fair, it's, it's more progressive than um, some other shows. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this anime called Basquatch, but it's a show about basketball in outer space, and one of the quirks of growing up on the moon is that some of the women... Uh, become more endowed due to the low gravity. So I'm uh, glad we didn't no. uh, need to stoop to those levels in this show. Oh, Love that I, for them. Oh, uh, yeah, I watched a few episodes of Basquatch, and uh, yeah, I definitely noticed that every female character that show had very large yeah. assets. Do, do they make reference to that, or is that just a running joke? About this? I, uh, it, I think it's yeah, it's not just a running joke. I mean, it's a character feature in that show, but they, they do actually stop to explain it at one point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I did think uh, Patrick Seitz was an interesting uh, casting choice here because the singing voice is like very high and ephemeral, and they're like to play the uh, gender spectrum and portray that they're getting a very low voiced Patrick Seitz uh, to do the voice otherwise. Uh, uh, yeah, I do think uh, Patrick did a good job uh, doing the whole, like, uh, androgynous voice. Again, it would have been, you know, not that they maybe uh, tried to cast an actual non-binary actor here, but it is what it that, is, I guess. That's true. Um, I mean, the, the devil's advocate argument on that about, you know, you didn't cast enough uh, openly queer people is that, you know, there may be queer people in this cast who just aren't out about that kind of thing. I, I mean, I know. I mean, I know there were definitely a couple like yeah. in the Cali area at the time who they could have maybe cast in, but uh, yeah. that didn't happen yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, matching, making sure to uh, try to match the character's uh, gender identity definitely wasn't a high priority yeah. in the casting for this. Yeah. I, I think, for example, some of the people that we, uh, some LGBTQ people in this show uh, that we know of now, we didn't know of at the time. Uh, that, so. that, that is also true. Yeah. Like, this was, um... Uh, was this before the, the Netflix dub of Evangelion came out? Yes, this was 2019 yes. that this came out. Okay, yeah, so this was uh, before we had a very prominent um, uh, uh, I mean, character. I mean, uh, I mean, that... I mean, uh, Casey had been in Bangs and stuff uh, well before Ava, so, I mean... I know, I know. Uh, okay, I, okay, I mean, admittedly, okay, I, mean, I guess for this character, it might have not been the exact vocal, same vocal register as the Seiyu, I guess, but, like, uh, but, you know, it's also, but, you know, you also don't always have to match that, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Whatever. But it, it, it's a, yeah, it's not, uh, it wasn't a high priority for them. Yeah. But, but it, it, like you were saying, Jackson, it, it was kind of interesting getting against typecast, getting Patrick Seitz of all people, you know, Germany himself, to voice the uh, more higher-pitched, non-binary character. Probably never get that ever again. He has played other uh, female characters, 
Uh, for example, like I've just been playing I the Somnium Files, where he plays Mama, uh, the the oh. a bar uh, uh, my bar hostess, uh, for lack of a better term, informant. Uh, I would say that this is better representation than Mama in that first game. Uh, but, uh, I do I do like Mama a lot, but the jokes can be a little bit. Yeah. Or, they're more mean about her weight than anything else. Oh, that okay. That's not cool. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what also isn't cool? Drug dependency. Uh, yeah. Uh, Flora goes through a lot because uh, yeah, you can. Have a show, you know, talking about musicians without, uh, I guess, don't we get to this topic at least a little bit. We already had one alcoholic in the cast, so yeah, we've got to have someone who's had a substance abuse problem. Yeah. Th this is the one that gets the TV documentary about their fall from grace. But do they get them for, do they get to interview them for the documentary? Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're still alive, so they haven't made this documentary yet. Right, but the, uh, would... Yeah. Would Flora be interested in being interviewed for it, is the no. question. No, that yeah. she decline. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, I thought uh, Rebecca Thomas did a pretty uh, good job here uh, portraying uh, Flora during, you know, her early days uh, with Gus when, uh, as I, uh, when the two of them were just kind of, like, getting started. And then, like, later when we see her in the present after she's, like, had her fall from grace and seem like, Sounds a lot um, shakier and more unsteady, and I thought that uh, Rebecca Thomas got that across pretty well. And uh, in general, I thought that episode on the whole was like really interesting. Yeah, that, that was a that was a strong episode. That was really touching. Uh, she, she has a fantastic singing voice, yeah. like unlike any other ones that we hear in the cast. Yeah. That Flora is akin to uh, musical royalty, as far as this show's concerned. I think. Mm -hmm where her influence is far-reaching and yeah. inspirations. Uh, yeah, uh, this is actually going to uh, go into a... Well, it's not a criticism of the dub script. It's more of a... Uh, it's more of a, well, you know, hindsight is 2020 thing. Uh, because there is a point <laughs> uh, earlier in the show where, like... Uh, uh, where Gus is, like, uh, talking to Carol after, like... So after uh, Tuesday is uh, forcibly taken back home by her mom, and Gus is talking about like a partner he had who like a partner he had who like he broke things off with, and how like he regretted never being able to mend that relationship. Uh, at the time, Gus refers to that person with male pronouns, but in hindsight, it is really obvious he was talking about Flora, and and I'm pretty sure the uh, Netflix subs caught on to this because it did you. Because he subs use female pronouns for this person, and uh, he did not. So I guess, I'm guessing it's a case where, like, they did. I guess it's a case where they didn't know ahead of time, and they weren't able to go back and correct that. But, uh, it seems like a case of we dubbed this in two chunks. We had uh, yeah. different directors for both chunks. I mean, yeah. for God's sakes, the name of the episode is called "A Natural Woman." I don't know like if that. Said, yeah, I don't know if that helps in this scenario. Who <laughs> knows? Um, but yeah, um, what else we got here? Um, oh, uh, can we talk about Ezekiel too? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 because you know, there's a very not good time to talk about Zeno Robinson. 
Th this right here, like, this is the character I feel has the bangers. You know, we were just talking about the three types of music. This is the bangers. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, pretty good rap, really good. And a uh, really good representation of rap as as a tool to, uh, you know, talk about politics. Yeah. I, I get really excited about wordplay uh, in music, so this this was my shit. I was all up in it. Was, yeah. the, it, it was good. Mars, Mars Backwards is Ram S. Did you know that? Not until this song came out. Oh. And the, the, his entire inclusion addresses something that had been bugging me about the whole show. Like, not just the dub, but like the direction of the show in that the premise in the second half is that we're going to use music to address injustices and they do it with... I, I'm sorry to say it. They do it with We Are the World, Mars Edition. But that's not what's actually fixing anything. Yeah. Ezekiel's music is the one that's actually addressing the injustices and you know getting up in people's faces and making them think about it. I didn't think they were going to play "We Are the World" straight. I didn't think I. I had more faith in the show than that. Oh, <laughs> I, you poor child! I gotta be honest. When it was getting towards the end of the show, and I was thinking like, okay, I see the premise how are they going to resolve this like what what can these people do and you know what came to my mind the pandemic uh, imagine music video uh, i was going to say the pandemic uh, cowboy bebop uh tank re rendition by many musical artists including the yoko kano oh no that was good <laughs> that actually did show unity in a trying time it, it did you're right um uh, but whereas uh, what we needed in this time was uh, we, we don't need a happy ballad like we are the world. We needed actual change. We need activism. We need, uh, you know, stop the bad, evil person from bad immigrant policies. We, we need acknowledgement that shit's fucked. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and like I said before we started recording, uh, here in America, we are just recording this soon after the uh, the midterm primaries uh, just ended where we are encouraged to go vote against the injustices of the world. But you guys are, like, always in election season. Oh, up, oh yes. Up, up here in Canada, like, as I understand it, the elections Canada is working very hard all the time, so the Prime Minister can call an election, and a month later, the election's over. It's it's a You're, great system. It, it, it sounds like a great system. We, e we even have mo more than two parties. See, it would be so easy to have more than two parties here in America if that was the standard already. I feel like we're too late, you know? We've already uh, eaten into the two-party system, and it would take multiple generations to change people's minds on that. We're just... It's too late for us. So Sorry, go, go sorry to get briefly saw. political, but my uh, my grandpa did was a member of one that third party, for example, uh, here in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we should go ahead and just be straight up and honest that all three of the people in this call are raging leftists. So if that's a turnoff for you, pretty welcome damn, to the club. Pretty damn right. Also, again, I do not know why you would be watching this particular episode uh, for this particular show. Again, it's not something <laughs> what I'm talking about. Well, maybe we can change some minds, you know? Have some optimism, Jet. Yeah. You know, go listen to We Are the World again. Maybe that, maybe that will uh, make you have a change of heart. You know what's really funny is um, 
Libertarians. They, they have access to uh, some, you know, mind-altering uh, uh, substances. And then they, they take these substances and learn that other people have emotions. It, it's real weird how they, uh, you know, all of a sudden learn empathy while high. I mean, it's, it's better than not learning it at all. <laughs> you, you just uh, yeah, hope but, uh, that, that sticks with them when they come back down. Uh, but uh, getting but uh, turning things back around to uh, Zeta's performance, I did I I, I really I really liked him here. Uh, he did a good job of oh, uh, yeah. making uh, Izuku here, you know, sound uh, you know sound like very gruff without getting you know uh, too over the top with it or you know leaning too much into any like obvious stereotypes. Like you can tell he's had like you can tell he's had a hard life and he's like maybe putting on. A bit of an act because he's had a hard life, mm-hmm. uh, but he's not. Uh, but he's. Uh, but he's never going like too hard with it. And like, but he does finally reunite with Carol and like admit he does recognize her. And so, uh, like he does, he does drop the facade. He does drop the facade a little bit, and you can see that in Zeta's performance, which I really appreciated. You can yeah, always, that, that was like, like you can feel his soul screaming out when he uh, needs to get things down. Get, get things out on like the walls or wherever he is uh, it it's a good foil for Car- Carol's character to have uh, someone someone with that uh, shared experience and have and have that for us in the main duo oh uh, yeah uh, yeah it's definitely very important to have a character like that to uh, you know help remind Carol like where she came from and like maybe as a, uh, because I mean, it's not like she's you know not completely ignoring these issues, but like maybe isn't as focused on them as she is her music career. But then, like realizing through this reunion that like hey, this is something I need to like maybe take more seriously, yeah. and then you know leading into the final scene of the show, we're we're getting told it impacts her more than we're actually seeing it uh, on screen in the runtime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just something that kind of crossed my mind uh, is also perhaps the inclusion of this character was because this happens with uh, Tuesday as well is to have a, another as a male character that you could possibly ship our two main characters with because heaven forbid we consider the possibility that Carol Tuesday may be loving for each other no 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 we've got to have potential male suitors in the cast as well they're just really good friends they're just yeah, the uh, best friends. I can't uh, tell if you're saying that sarcastically or not. Yeah, uh, and they yeah, were it, roommates. Yeah, it yeah it did yeah it did feel like the show could have pushed that harder than it actually did. Uh, uh, but, yeah, uh, plausible yeah. deniability as always, but th- this is the same show that had a on-screen lesbian kiss in episode four. So yeah, so, uh, that yeah, was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, so it is, yeah, so it is hard to say if it's just. Something they didn't want to do, or you know, some producer saying you can't do that. We'll never know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, but, uh, but, regar- yeah, but regardless, I do think that that Zeta did a really good job of the sequel. Uh, th- uh, this was one of my favorite yes. side performances. I did die by once in a lot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, Ray Chase is earning it. It's just he's going to have a very good time here. Yeah, he gets to be both uh, over the top and depressed. He even has a, a a little mini breakdown where he has multiple personalities at one point. What a good uh, episode! 
Yeah, they, uh, they somehow you know, got me cheering for this asshole. Yeah, you know, a very good reminder that you should never ever invest in crypto. Yeah, it felt that's the felt like the entire point was that you know because he's not down and out for very long. He's back up top in like a couple of episodes. It's like this whole episode was written just to bash on cryptocurrency, which fair. It, it was but. technically a guy robbing him blind, uh, or out from under him, so, you know, don't insult the butler, but it, it is a rug pull, which uh, happens a lot with cryptocurrencies. It, so. That's the entire reason that they exist. Still exist. I, I'm really hoping that by the time this episode goes, like, you know, now your people are listening to it, that cryptocurrency just vanishes entirely. That the entire system is just gone. Look at that number drop. I've been watching it drop. It's been fun. Every day, the line gets lower and lower. I, I've been watching it since I had to explain uh, the blockchain to my aunt. So, I'm, I'm glad I won't have to do that again. <laughs> I think I've had to do that too. Too like it seems like older people we've had to explain that to, and as I explain it more and more, and maybe you had the same experience, they just they kind of watch like, how is this a real thing? And, and you're supposed to. But how, where does the money come into it? Oh, oh, well, you see, uh, uh, th this complex code here, uh, it, it's valued at a certain amount. And um, it, it, if people say it's worth this much, then uh, it, it totally is. It's totally not a, a decentralized Ponzi scheme. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, I, I really liked Ray Chase a lot here. He was, uh, he was fun whenever he was on screen. I did appreciate how well he portrayed like the little... Uh, grudge he had against Carol Tuesday during the first half of the show. That's uh, where, like, every time he's around Roddy, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, I thought I heard those two awful girls, like, somewhere in the background. They're haunting his <laughs> dreams. Those two menaces. Yeah, yeah, and then, like, when, like, he's on Mars Bryant, he, like, finally sees him on screen. On stage, and you can just see it in his face. He can't control his body. He just releases a uh, primal screams. Uh, yeah, and then, he, and then he has to try his hardest to pretend to be fair, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, yeah, he's getting to play multiple aspects of this character. He's getting to be the angel and devil on his own shoulder. Yep. Yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, I will appreciate that, like, that, like, that, that this character is very full of himself, but like when Bruce comes to show, he does. As a, he is at least professional. He does at least like sort of care about things. Like he is, like when they are doing like the whole Grammys award, he is like one of the first ones to like uh, to uh, call out uh, to, uh, to call out Valerie on like all her like everything she's doing with her campaign, and then and when Carol mm -hmm. Tuesday decide they want to do their song, like he's. Actually, willing to help them out, which for him is like saying a lot. Yeah. Not, he, he, not initially, because he, he's the first one to say, like, this is a stupid idea, but it's interesting, isn't it? He does actually have friends, it's surprising. And he will uh, stick by his friends. He lent out his luxury car to his buddy. <laughs> oh my for, God. for no reason. Uh, like, no reason given. He's just like, uh, can I? Please? And he's. I uh, can't say no to you, Rody. You're my best friend. Come you back. Know what? I... And it has been hit by a meteor somehow. <laughs> it has been wrecked. <laughs> Honestly, I, you say that he, he lent to them that for no good reason. 
I, I think it was a flex. A Pause. flex of, I have this many luxury vehicles, I can afford to lend you one. Yeah, on that note, we are not talking about this character, but I do want to shout out. Uh, Kimberly and Campbell playing the uh, robot who is basically just QT as an alcoholic. It's great. <laughs> Idia, <laughs> the the one star robot. You you think someone would have read a review about that thing before buying it? They didn't. You would think, but no. Apparently, the not even the star review was enough to make them go. Maybe this is a bad idea. And that is where we get the actual QT cameo from Space Dandy as he's watching. Anime and oh, drinking yeah. beer. Absolutely. Which means if Space Dandy is an anime in this universe, so does that mean that this is like one level up from the Space Dandy universe? Uh, okay, okay, to be fair, there are multiple universes in Space Dandy, so like that's not saying a whole lot. You're, you're right, you're absolutely right. He, yes, the Rupp was watching a version of Space Dandy that was the universe that is a TV show, but there is another version of Space Dandy that's actually in our reality. There's a version of Space Dandy where we're the television show. Uh, <laughs> just uh, blew your mind, man. What, uh, what? But yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah, Tate did a good job. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I, I liked everyone here. I thought they did a good job. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, no one does a bad job here. And I'm sorry. Last thing, just a question: Am I right in this? Uh, in that, all of the actors here also did their music. They did their singing as well. And, this is all and, coming from the original Japanese track, as far as I can find. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. no, no, uh, original Japanese track uh, had English singers for all the songs, and those singers okay. were retained for the dub. Okay, because, I mean, all the, the Japanese performances were very good, and like you mentioned before, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, I mean, these were, yeah, they're all very good singers, like, Watanabe actually, like, is that, like, I remember notably Watanabe and Hori actually, like, held auditions to cast Carol and Tuesday singers, and actually, like, but they first announced the shows, and they very clearly cared about this. Right. And if I, if I read an interview correctly, they actually recorded the songs before they even started animating. They animated around the music. Uh, that would check out. Yeah, I would believe that. Yeah. Like, the, that lip sync is on point. And <laughs> yes, it is. Some very pronounced uh, jaw movements. Well, you know, this has been a fun, happy discussion about musicians here. Can we get another fun, happy group in the next section, Jet? Uh, no, because uh, now that we've talked about the musicians, they decide to talk about everyone's favorite topic, politics. No! Now, hold on. Uh, have, haven't we had enough yet? No. <laughs> oh, oh we're not enough. nearly done. Uh, so uh, we've got Valerie Simmons, Spencer Simmons... Uh, Jerry Egan, Kyle Swartz, and uh, Dan, because I couldn't really find everywhere else to put him, frankly. Uh, so, Valerie is Tuesday and Spencer's mother and a politician who decides to take on an anti-immigrant stance in order to win the March for the presidential election. Spencer is Tuesday's older brother and helps his mom win her campaign before deciding to work against her when she takes on the anti-immigrant stance. Uh, Valerie, I mean, Jerry is Valerie's political consultant who pushes Valerie to take on the anti-immigrant stance while manipulating things behind the scenes to ensure she gets elected by any means necessary. Uh, Swartz is a powerful businessman who runs a company called Galactic Inc. And is the one point he's for both Jerry and Valerie so he can use her to have more power over Nard. that he is totally not reminiscent of any particular politicians whatsoever, just... Not no. at all. Especially nope. not that one with the orange hair. Just, just not at all. So, 
Not at all. It's just uh, completely out of Watanabe's brain. Just completely out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. And then lastly, uh, Dad is a mysterious, mysterious visitor from Earth who befriends Carol and is later revealed to be one of her missing parents. Again, well, a, a character who we, I really would have liked to have seen more of. Okay, okay, I mean, to be, okay, I mean, to be fair, in this particular case, I do kind of understand why he was not a lasting presence in the show. Yes, yes, they, they have an in-universe reason why his planet needed him and his spaceship blew up on the way back to Earth. No, that's not, that's not that entirely accurate. But yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, potential in the dynamic of having a parent back in um, Carol's life that I, I just, I, I would have written it differently. I, I appreciate the initial uh, uh, reaction to it of, I don't care about uh, family. They, they aren't a part of my life. I'm not interested in that. And then it comes in and uh, she starts having those ties to her past and uh, the her uh, history, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, um, so uh, playing Valerie, we have Rachel Robinson. Uh, for Spencer, we have Lucian Dodge. For Jerry, we have Kirk Thornton. For Swartz, we have Richard Epcar. Kyle is played by Ben Lepley. And Dan is played by Amy. Uh, Russell Robinson has played such characters as uh, Bob in Aka 13 Territory Inspection Squad, uh, Gunda Roll in Brave Witches, and Tokiko in the Heike Story. Lucian Dodds has played such characters as Adolf K. Weissman in Kids Animation. We were Velvet in Fate Zero, and Mahito in Jujutsu Kaisen. Kirk Thornton displays his character as Minotaur Blue Dragon, Sheriff of Demoto with Blue Exorcist, and Don Patch in Boba Bo Bo Boba Bo. Richard Epcar displays his characters as Old Joseph Josar in Joseph Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders, and some of the Kingdom Hearts franchise, and that's KG Gain in most modern iterations of the Loop on the Third franchise. Ben Lepley has played such characters as Suzu's father in Bell, Martin in Full Dive, and a Mind Mask in One Punch Man. And uh, as for EB, uh, this is the only credit to his name, but uh, as I'm pretty sure you can tell uh, by the name EB, this is an alias, and um, yeah. I'll leave it to your imagination who this is. Yeah. I, I imagine EB stands for Electronics Boutique, which is a chain of uh, video game stores here. I'm sure that's it. So you're, you're assuming that this uh, alias is for a Canadian actor? Yeah. I, I assume they owe me money for trade-in value. Or it could be like a J-E-B and it's a Jeb. And it's a Jeb sweep. It's ironic because you figured out the... It's ironic because you figured out the actual actor's whole initials, but always been at that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, th- thank you for bringing it back to the, the subject of politics by referencing the Jeb Sweep meme. Thank you so much for that. Uh, yeah, politics? Uh, so, uh, that's, a, that's a Morbius yeah. meme. Yeah, uh, so uh, speaking uh, of which, I guess, we, uh, I guess we can start with Dan. Uh, he's not the show much, but I do, again, kind of like his presence here. When he, uh, because it is around the time where like a whole bunch of people start approaching Carol, like, oh, hey, uh, we're your long-lost family, and we're totally not here because... We think you have a lot of money. Somebody was watching Annie when they made this episode. Sure were. It, it is a uh, 
It is a uh, tried and true trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in this way, just like you know, this uh, nice guy who's just kind of like hanging around, uh, helping Carol a bit, you know, like teaching her martial arts and stuff, which is kind of cool. He's a very uh, salt of the earth personality, where he he's not trying to get involved at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then like when yeah, and then like when he's walking with Carol and like he does the whole uh, revelation, which I appreciate that he does, just kind of like do it secondhand. And uh, and I thought that the way uh, that whole thing was delivered was really, I was really well done. Uh, uh, like you can definitely tell uh, this is a person with like a lot of regrets, and I thought that really came through in EB's performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not not trying to leave any regrets or pressure on uh, other people. So yeah. That's appreciated in the writing and the uh, the, the performance that comes across with that. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah, like you can tell, he doesn't want to like upend Carol's life in any way, and that like, and, so, and that he probably wasn't going to say anything in this way, but I guess he felt like he could just get it off his chest to some degree. It appreciate that, like he does. I do appreciate that there is the hope that they will like maybe see each other again someday, but I guess uh, we'll never know if that happens. Oh, well, no, no. It says at the very end of the show, to be continued. In your mind. Uh, I do appreciate that. So clearly they got back together at some point. Your, your uh, fanfic yeah. is canon. Don't worry about it. Absolutely. There you go. All fanfic is canon. Yep. And, uh, and then moving on from uh, this nice end to a couple of very terrible people, uh, Jerry and Swartz are just uh, the two most cartoonishly evil characters in this show, and uh, <laughs> Richard and Kirk here are just like very clearly having a lot of fun playing that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, if you've heard Kirk and Richard in things before, uh, you, you may recognize the voices they give these characters. It's not cartoony and over the top in like the the pitch or the tone they give them. But the the way that they say the words sometimes can be a little over the top and very fitting for political and financial bad guys. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's um, it's it's an, a weird balance though because you're not supposed to like these characters, which I don't think we do. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're they're not so despicable that you just want them off the screen. It's a very hard act to to do for bad guys. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, both, yeah, both definitely do have uh, that right level of presence where they are, where they are very despicable when you do want to see them get their comeuppance, but they are, uh, but they are played, but they are played in a way where they are kind of entertaining to watch in a sense. Yeah, a, a very slimy Although, evil, a, a competent yeah. slimy evil. Yes, that loves what they're yeah. doing. <laughs> they love money and power. The big, that being said, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. They're the big dick in charge, and they like it that way. Anyways, carry on. The uh, HDIC, as it were. Yes. Oh uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you, I mean, you know, you can't have a chair without politics without, you know, their billionaire daughters, I guess. Now that being said, I, I do have a qualm with just Jerry's character because the show kind of makes it seem like the um, the push towards anti-immigrant policies is not the result of, uh, you know, the population's 
uh, insecurities or the acts of multiple individuals as bad faith or any of the things that actually lead to people adopting anti-immigrant policies. No, it's just this one guy. Like, we can just pin all the bad on this one guy. But if you get rid of the one bad guy, problem solved. Like, okay, uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't, like, I don't think it's a case of, like, this guy is necessarily the cause of particular problem. Like, he is the one... Okay, like, he's the one who is, like, clearly pushing Valerie to take that stance, which is kind of an annoying thing in its own way. Yeah. But I think, okay, but, uh, but, like, by his own admission, he is, like, that's how, he is, like, riding on a wave that is currently existing, and, and, so, like, and we don't know for sure that the wave has been, like, entirely resolved at the words. We just know the characters tried their best to, like, do something about it in some way. It is a legit legitimate with air quotes uh political strategy that is being uh used in the real world yeah, sadly yeah, enough it, yeah it is a yeah it's a strategy being used you, you are absolutely world. correct that it doesn't just go yeah. away with uh jerry yeah yeah it's a strategy that was used uh very yeah. clearly during the time the show yeah. was airing so the the, uh, the groundwork was laid true. long before him and has been laid for other people to come after so you gotta yeah, stay yeah. on top of that shit yeah. Not to not not to pull from the quotes section, but um, I, I and I can't remember who exactly said this, but if you can you can um, if you convince a white man that he is better than uh, other races, he will willingly give you his money. Yeah, no, they just need someone to other, right? That that's a common message, uh, political message. It, it they is. they just need someone to other, and you can uh, can uh, yeah. not pacify them easily a uh populace easily that way yeah. no you can't yeah the the entire but, but again the uh, the conclusion that the show comes to at the end spoiler alert is that if you just stop having anti-immigrant policies then everything goes back to normal but it's not that easy like we we as a society and those of us who think we're doing the right thing are trying to actually ensure that there are no anti-immigrant policies or that those who are coming to this country as refugees or just those who are looking for a better life are welcome here and can prosper because we all benefit from that. And also it's the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I'm again on my soapbox here. But. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, to be fair, the case where, like, the show could have did a very, did a much better job of, like, fully, I guess, fully concluding the messy politics it was dealing with, but... Uh, yeah. But you know, given how relevant those messy politics are, I am frankly, I, I uh, like frankly, I just personally, I personally have to applaud it, making the attempt at all. So that's kind of my sense. I, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of messy politics, do we want to address the elephant in the room about who Valerie is modeled after? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it is very clear. Yeah, and they really like to to do a. Uh female president for a time uh, before they were uh, proven wrong about that hope. Uh, so, uh, yeah, to, uh, yeah, to which uh, yeah, to which, I mean, man, there's a lot that's unlikable about Valley, both the character and frankly the politician, because uh, so, uh, because again, even putting aside the obvious evilness of Jerry here, uh, you know, if her convictions are, if if she lacks conviction to the point where she was, you know, willing to go along with this just to get elected, uh, 
Maybe she shouldn't be in politics to begin with, frankly. Yeah, you, you don't was... get to take like a moral uh, stance of having backed down from trying to uh, start Brexit on the moon. <laughs> y- you were you were all gone home over that when it was benefiting you. So uh, yeah. you're a piece of shit. Sorry to say. I I can't confirm this or not, but um. That... Uh, talking back on the point about um, uh, female presidents in media, um, this was also made around the same time that South Korea's prime minister, I think, who's also female, was outed from her position due to a really high level of corruption. Like, a whole lot of bribery and just misuse of her position as well. We we briefly had a uh, female prime minister here, but uh, that was a weird situation where the president had or prime minister had stepped down and their second in the man command uh took the ah. position and then was gotcha. voted out in the next election like three months later something like that okay so we we very briefly got uh, a lady in uh the prime minister's office well this performance uh doesn't really do that um does that uh image any favors no. by making it seem like a uh, like I'm just doing what the numbers are and I'm also not a very good mom no it's all about the poli- it's all about the career for me yeah uh, yeah and uh, to her credit Rachel does do a very good job of making this character sound very unlikable she she's uh, being real convincing in those political speeches oh very convincing mm. Yeah, they don't, like a lot of the art cast, they don't really um, tell Rachel to give her character, like, a quirk or something to make her sound, you know, like, cartoonish or uh, overly distinct. It feels like a very natural speaking, uh, I'm sorry, a very natural, dramatic performance from Rachel. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate the naturalism. Uh, Even, like, you know, even when the character is doing, making very... Uh, questionable decisions, like, you know, like the, like, like all the obvious immigration stuff, and then, like, even, you know, just with the whole family situation, uh, like, when Spencer calls her out on it, that, like, even when Tuesday went missing, she didn't want to fill out a police report or go looking for her herself at all, which, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a prime parenting material right there. Like, that, that kind of bugged me, um, it's like, it didn't feel like, um, the fact that she didn't go looking for her daughter very much, uh, it didn't feel like a shortness of her parenting skills. It felt like a weak story element to ensure that Carol and Tuesday would remain together unfettered. Okay, uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. That did seem to be like a pretty big part of it, that it, character and all. And, okay, and I mean, too. Like, I mean, and, like, to the show's credit, like, Spencer finds her almost immediately and and then decides to not say anything, so... Yeah, like, so it's, not, so, it's not, so it's not like anyone has no idea where she is. It's so they can pull that trigger later when they need a mid-season climax. Exact, thank you. Yes, they wait until, like, oh, oh shoot, it's coming up on episode 12. Well, we better uh, pull that trigger now. Yeah. And then it lasts for, like, half an episode. Yeah, um, uh, speaking of which, I did like Lucian Dodge a lot and Spencer here. Uh, he, uh, like, like again, this is another character who, where it would have been very easy to make this character, like, 
very obnoxious, but for the most part, he seems like a pretty okay dude. Like, I, like you can tell he, uh, like you can tell that like maybe they didn't have the best relationship starting out, but he does very clearly care about his sister and does want to uh, look out for her, which comes across pretty well with Lucy's performance. And like, mm -hmm. I do, like, I do appreciate that they established early on that, like, yeah, she does find her almost immediately, and then, like, decides not to say anything because he can see that, like, she's clearly happy, she's clearly happy where she is, and, uh, and, and, he, and uh, he sort of, I guess, envies that, in a sense, which I thought came across pretty well. Yeah, yeah there, there's a way to do this kind of character, um that uh, could have been a lot more stuffier, um, like more business oriented. Um, I'm trying to find the uh, the person who played him. Um, who was it? Uh, yeah, it, it was Ian Sinclair uh, who played the big brother character in Princess Jellyfish, who was also like a, you know, an underling of his family's political uh, system who didn't really push back against the system. But that's a very different kind of performance than what Lucian's going for here. So I appreciate that they made him more fun, more, um, you know, uh, comes around to help out in the second half of the show. And I really love when he jumps off a bridge, he gets the best scream of the whole show. Ah, uh, that would be I can't, cool. I can't duplicate it, but it's very fun to listen to. It really comes out of nowhere. What, what, what you think this is an action movie? Ah! <laughs> there goes Noah's mic peeking. Discord cutting uh, out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was fun. And then, um, and then uh, I liked, uh, and then I liked uh, Ben Lepley as uh, Kyle a lot. I thought he did a pretty, as I thought he did a pretty uh, good job with uh, that character. I, I can see why uh, Tuesday would fall for the the pretty guy with the long blonde hair. And the and the good pickup line taking advantage of his uh, hearing loss. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is clearly a very uh, smooth guy who's also, you know, uh, uh, who's also, I guess, kind of, like, been around a lot, seen a lot, and, like, you get that sense of worldliness across in Ben's performance. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was the prepared bad. for this character to suddenly be uh, the bad guy. At, at some point, yeah. Like I, I was always a little suspicious just because Tuesday is a very bad judge of character. Uh, a but, couple of times. But, okay, but no, he, no, he's a good dude. It just turns out he's like kind of a dumb teenager. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh sure, sure. No, but I think what he was, I think what Jackson was getting at is that like you kind of expect that he's going to become the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, like he, he's, going he's to... investigating this explosion, and I was expecting him to be the source of that explosion. Which really, the, and we find out the, the worst thing he did in the whole show is just has a girlfriend and didn't tell Tuesday about it. Uh, I mean, to which he has no obligation. Yeah. He, it's not like he, he knows he's a dumb teenager. You, you're right. Let this be a lesson that just because you have a crush on someone, you are not entitled to them. You are not um, Avril Lavigne and you are not going up and telling me about, hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your girlfriend. Hmm. Some guys are just fuckboys. Like that. Uh, where would we be without fuckboys? By the way, uh, this is way off topic, but speaking of fuckboys, when you guys finished watching the show on Netflix, did what was the thing that Netflix recommended next? 
probably Breaking Bad. It, it seems to like recommending that to me. Same for you, Jet. Uh, might have been. So, okay. Uh... Well, okay, because I got something way different. This is a music-based show, and apparently there's a new documentary on Netflix about the 1999 Woodstock uh, fiasco. So that was the thing that popped up right after, you know, wholesome music brings us all together, and all of a sudden it's Descent into Hell, Woodstock 1999. Ah, uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Alright. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, I guess we're going to move on. Uh, so, uh, next up we're going to talk about some of the supporting cast. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, Dahlia Carpenter, Tao, uh, Katie Kimura, Gus Goldman, uh, Roddy, and Toby. Uh, so, okay, okay, so Dahlia is uh, Angela's mother and agent, and while the wording in the dub is a little less clear about this, I believe she is supposed to be intersex, specifically. And uh, Tao is Ezra's producer who runs an AI firm and is lacking in normal human emotions. Uh, Katie is Ezra's manager who's just kind of doing her best to uh, put up with everything. Uh, Gus is uh, uh, Gus is a washed out manager who eventually decides to take on managing Carolyn Tuesday after listening to their first performance. Uh, Ronnie is a friend of Gus and a sound engineer who mostly works for Erdogan. He's also just kind of a huge dork and kind of sucks, which I'm glad the show rightly recognizes. <laughs> and then lastly, Toby is a music producer who's regarded as a legend in the industry, and who eventually decides to take on producing Carolyn Tuesday after they do well on Mars Brightest. And he also drops more S-bombs in your stomach after a 7-Eleven burrito. Oof, don't it's great. I would say he is the most profane character of the cast, but again, Mermaid Sisters. Uh, he's a very close second. Indeed. Okay, uh, so playing... Okay, so playing Dahlia is Brooke Chalmers. Uh, playing Tao, we have Carl McCarley. Uh, for Katie, we have Zephy Wynn. Uh, for Gus, we have Jason Murdoka. For Roddy, we have Zach Aguilar, and for Toby, we have Joe DiMucci. Um, so, Brooke Chalmers has played such characters as Usopp in The Sons of a Bookworm, Yoshioka in Ike Bukuro Westgate Park, and Sokoji Renake in Demon Slayer. Uh, Kyle McCarley has played such characters as Ichimatsu in Mr. Ichimatsu. Kaoke Oshigiyama, a.k.a. Mom and Mom Saka 100, and Yu Omanaya in Spriggan. As if we win, his place as characters as Anna Mifune in Glepfear, Yuna Yuki in Yuki Yuna as a Hero, and Makuya in Makuya, Where the Promised Flower Blooms. Uh, Jason Monota has played such characters as Monster Kikorochi in One Punch Man Season 2, Charlotte Elbin in One Piece, Kazakodabu in Megalobox, and Megatron in Transformers Warp and Cybertron. Zack Aguilar has played such characters as Zudos in One Punch Band, Koji Rose in Joseph's Bizarre Adventure, Diamonds Unbreakable, and Luca Travers in Scarlet Nexus. 
Last week, Jody Mucci has largely got my other names, but has played such characters as Will and Tweety Witches, Soya and Morimito, Guardian of the Spirit, and Detective Oshi in the old Zidia dub of Higurashi when they cry. I'm forgetting about voice acting for a second here. Uh, Atlas should be suing Bones, because Tao is one Persona 4-looking motherfucker. Like, you look at that character design, and you tell me that person is not from that video game. Uh, you, you Persona think? 4 specifically is a, uh, interesting yes. to do not on Persona 4 specifically, but you're not totally wrong there. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I've got. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess we could probably start with, uh, PD and Toby since they are kind of, um, in the show less, uh, compared to the other supporting members here, but they are... Uh, but they are both uh, pretty fun. Uh, I, I appreciate Zanfi doing a good job of playing uh, this dorky manager who's just like very clearly trying her best to put <laughs> up an Angela who is uh, just barely much a diva. And uh, like and that whole thing is pretty fun. And then, uh, and like and then, you know, during the second half where like Angela's life starts falling apart, she's like a pretty good supporting presence and Zanfi... Uh, does that pretty well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she doesn't get to be in a whole lot, but anything Xanthi does, <laughs> she's just got the kind of voice that really stands out, so you remember the few lines that she's got really well. Mm-hmm. The show doesn't seem to have a high opinion of um, the, fan, the fan obsession with uh, celebrity, so uh, it's it's easy to see like uh, how Angela suspects Katie when something goes wrong immediately. She's doing other shady shit, uh, sniffing her lipstick, but uh, she's not guilty on <laughs> she's not guilty on this front. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. But she she does get uh, it's a different side to like the Sybil story where it's like, but I'm your number one fan. How could you say something so mean to me? Uh, that she's not acting on in a uh, dangerous way. But, yeah, but is taking a, yeah. it personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's not, a, yeah, she's not engaging in any criminal behavior. And she's taking her job seriously for the most part. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And she she's the one who's getting uh, stomped on a lot more by Angela. It, it's not the fan making life difficult for a uh, celebrity. It's the other way around mm. here. The, um, they're not a good match uh, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So. They, they, then, they get there eventually. Yeah. And then, uh, Joe DeBruti is Toby. Again, uh, this character is here to draw <laughs> a lot oh, of best spots, and it's just, it's so much fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> did either of you watch this in the Japanese to compare it to the English? Not this far in. Okay. Because yeah. I, I wanted to know if um, Toby's... Uh, original dialogue was, you know, this profane laden. Which I'm looking at I, the characters. I'm watching the animation. I, 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 I mean, I did. I mean, I did have the subtitle. I did have the subtitle track on. Yeah. To, like, if, if he's not saying to, shit, to he's saying lives. Kuso. Right. Oh yeah, to compare, yeah, to compare lines. And while that, and while the S bomb was not used as much as it was in the dub, he was dropping profane words at every other sentence. So that is like a very consistent part of that character. Mm-hmm. He. When he shows up with the axe, it's very like uh, God of War <laughs> Thor looking, where he's got the the port belly, the 
unshaven hair and just mm-hmm. matted hair and just wild screams. <laughs> ah, that was beautiful. Yeah. Man, Mar- Mars messes with you. Uh, the, the, I guess the only criticism I might have on Joe's side is that it's funny. It is really funny throughout the whole thing. Um, but as it goes along, um, I, I feel like it kind of loses its impact just because you, you kind of grow numb to the, you know, the, the constant profanity list. Like, in, imagine if in Full Metal Jacket, the opening section just had the same, like, insult over and over again. No, no, you, you gotta diversify that a little bit more. You gotta keep it fresh. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair, as the show goes along, the character does gradually become, like, a little more serious as he, like, gets more dear to the girls and also, you know, uh, talks more about what's going on in the world. So, that, mm-hmm. so that's what the performance does, like, shift a bit to reflect that mood. The uh, warmest he gets is basically going from this is shit to this is good shit. Uh, if this was like, say, a uh, vulgar comedy, yeah, they, they wouldn't just rely on repeating the, the one swear word that much. It, it does lose impact after a couple times. You, you sprinkle it in, you vary it up. But that's not what they're trying to go for with uh, this character. Right. Yeah, that's my problem. Is like I'm watching the show and I'm constantly thinking of how would I do this yeah. differently, rather than judging it on its own merits. Yeah. Would you lean more in on the like Texan uh, history, or her- oh, definitely. heritage for that example? Oh yeah, like may- maybe even give like a stereotypical Texan accent. Yeah. I-, I do like the voice that he's doing, where it's like I can hear the spittle in in his mouth at all times. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. There's gravel and there's spittle in there, definitely. It it does make the shit come out nicely. <laughs> that's a, that's another one where the um as opposed to the the stage performances where you can hear you can watch the mouth animation match what's being sung. Uh, Toby's the character where like his really big facial expressions match what he's saying. Yep. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Tao, who is just, you know, a very uh, muted kind of guy. He's a robot. Yeah. Were, were you expecting that uh, that plot point to come up? Of, or that Were you expecting that to be the yeah. twist? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, not, the, not that specific twist, but that was pretty interesting. He's a robot that learned to love. Not, not, not this time. I mean, okay, I mean, it does, I mean, in hindsight, it does very much explain why, I guess, he wasn't, you know, if not endeared to Angela right away while he was, like, willing to put up with her so much. It makes mm-hmm. sense now. Curious about her. He, he is an interesting character where he, he puts all of his faith in uh, AI and his creations and is like, AI is perfect. My, my machine is perfect. Uh... I need you for the human element. I just I just need a puppet. I just need someone that would. I just need like your vocal cords, basically. But that's not actually the case of uh, being replaceable. There is more to it. There is like this human element to it. I think he like uh, later into the show is is learning this uh, emotions. Is like being impacted by the music that he's listening to. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't specifically like being around Angela because, you know, she is very emotional, like, all over the place. 
And I don't, and I think that she does sort of like start to gradually rub off on him, and he does kind of I guess gain more of a gradual interest in emotions through like interacting with her, uh, which is uh, done kind of subtly, which I appreciate. Yeah. The the one very well, deadpan thumbs up, great moment. <laughs> the the one bit of praise that he gives her. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you, yeah, you can tell he does uh, gradually. Uh, she does kind of gradually grow it in. Uh, it's just we like during the second half of the show, like, uh, like, uh, like I appreciate that uh, he was uh, willing to go out of his way to help her during the whole yeah. uh, soccer incident. Yeah. And he was staunchly, my tools will not be used for politics, political gain. Yes. Uh, so, oh God, he's got yeah. a spine. Yeah. He's got spine. He's got morals. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but uh, so, but so that when they did try to use a suffer politics anyway, um. Uh, he hacked their whole company and leaked all of it to the press. Yeah, he went Sedo Kaiba on their ass. <laughs> yes, he did. Like a boss. Uh, I, I appreciate about Kyle's performances is that he, he's done this uh, kind of uh, you know dry, stoic character before, but every time, it's never monotone. It's always got flavor and character and personality to it that is, I feel like it's hard to do for some actors to maintain both the, the stoic part and the personality side, but he manages to balance the two of them very well. Yeah. You, you can definitely hear, like, for example, he, uh, this character is not a fan of small talk, and that does come across uh, very well. Of Get get to the point. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing this by the letter. We're doing this my way. And if you could ju- just get with the program, that would be great. Now, his inclusion as a character seemed to be commentary on the modern state of pop music where um you can use machines to uh make your music um which i wasn't quite sure if that was supposed to be commentary on using electronic instruments to make the music or abandoning um sorry abandoning real life songwriters in favor of like you know edm kind of music that we've got nowadays yeah i felt i felt it was like specifically commentary on i guess more like uh you know less musicians like being able to do stuff on their own and more like you're going to make these songs we tell you to make oh like producer driven songs as opposed to singer songwriter kind of songs yeah Yeah. Uh, like you can synthesize with with an algorithm the perfect song uh originality is dead for example and these these type these types of angles like nothing is purely original this this is true in the real world uh Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the argument that the show was making. Uh, well, I feel like that was the, that whole uh, originality is, uh, or it's difficult to have original songs. Everything is a mashup of pre-existing stuff. Yeah. Was exemplified more by Erdogan, whereas this character seems to be more like there is no, uh, there's no thought put into your songs anymore because you can, you can mechanically create a song because we know where the beats are supposed to go. We know that, you know, upbeat music gets people dancing. We know where the drop's supposed to go. So why worry about making it authentically anymore when we can just mathematically create the perfect pop song? Yeah. Uh, Etrigan is up the creek without a pal when he loses his AI. Uh, Tao is, like, trying to perfect it. He's like, there's something still not perfect enough about this yet, and we can we can get there. And he's exploring this human option. Mm-hmm. 
I'll admit, I'm, I'm behind on uh, pop, modern pop music, so I'm not sure how prevalent that problem actually is in modern pop music. But I'm yeah. assuming Watanabe... Uh, Watanabe seemed to prefer, you know, the classics, the good old vinyl songs, and not, not this modern EDM mechanical songs kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, moving on to, uh, Brooke Chalmers is Adalia. Uh, this was a very interesting character. Yeah. And, uh, definitely went in, uh, uh, definitely went in some interesting directions. Some I was not expecting, uh, mostly in a way I am grateful for, but, uh, yeah. I'll just say uh, that I, I, I've seen enough, um... Bob's Burgers or Muppets performances where it's very clearly a male character high-pitching it up to make a female voice. So I kind of appreciate that in the universe of the show, the lower voice and the you know character design is explained away as being like, we're not mocking women in general. This is a character who, like you were saying, is probably intersex due to science gobbledygook. Hmm. As a, uh, yeah, like uh, Dahlia does, as a, uh, like it is mentioned throughout the, like it is mentioned uh, kind of offhand that Dahlia did have like surgery uh, much early, uh, much earlier on. So I so, uh, so I and I guess uh, the, and I guess she's like a little more balanced now compared to back then. Mm-hmm. As a, and, and, and it is suggested that uh, back then things were a lot more tense between her and Angela, and uh, Angela is still kind of uncomfortable around her because of that. It's sort of the impression. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was getting uh, at er much earlier in the episode with the writing and the uh, Dahlia's manipulation of uh, Angela. Like, this is... Uh, straight yeah, uh, out, straight yeah. out of the textbook of uh, child's child prodigy, with a lot of pressure pu pushed on to them from their parent, uh, who is living vicariously through their kids. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Dolly is like one hundred percent of a celebrity parent. Mm -hmm. uh, toddlers and tiaras, I believe, is the 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 drama, TV drama. Uh, that is a TV drama. No. Yes, there's um, there's um. Uh, Dance Moms would probably be another one. Yeah. None of them. None of them portray um, stage parents in a positive light, which is not fair to all of them. Um, you know, I've, I've done some stage work, and I know that there are good handlers. There are you know supportive parents in who has who have kids who are in the performing arts. This is just not one of them. No. Where would our show be if we had good, supportive parent parental roles? Like, Dolly does definitely care to, like, a decent degree, but is also, like, very more clearly concerned with Dahlia, like, I mean, with Angela becoming a star and, you know, again, getting to live her dreams through her. And that, com and that comes across uh, very well in Brooke's performance, I felt. She, she has learned to uh, control it control those parts of herself and be more hands-off with Angela. Like, let her live on her own, for example. Uh, respecting uh, respecting boundaries more 
It's, it's, uh, yeah, 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 they can tell Dolly is, like, probably lured to, like, respect Angela's boundaries more, but, like, that tension is so very yeah. curly, and it, it's, as I add, it is sort of interesting seeing uh, their relationship through the show with that in mind. It's messy and complicated and doesn't stop being messy and complicated. So. But the, the key indication of how you reacted to this character is... Did you feel bad when she died? Uh, I, I, uh, a little bad. Is a little bad? Yes. I mean, I did think she had like a really bad chemistry with the other characters. And again, okay. And again, while her parenting was not like particularly the greatest, you could tell that like she did. No. Uh, she did clearly care about Angela to some degree, but that. But the final conversation they had, like right before she passed out, uh, not a great one. Mm-hmm. No, no, that was not a good note to go out on. I, I can, I can't relate to the situation, but I can empathize with uh, Angela's uh, emotions in that moment. Right. Yeah, because if, even if you're not, if you find out that uh, the person you thought was your parent all your life isn't biologically related to you, if you grew up with them living as your parent, that's going to be the exact same reaction when they die. Yes. Yes. But, um, yeah, I, I agree that Brooke's um, performance is um, it, it walks that fine balance of um, having the character be uh, kind of like an like an aging Broadway star, you know, that very uh, diva esque performance, without uh, demonizing the character because of their gender. Like the character is not supposed to be likable because of what they do, um, but you don't dislike them just because they're not feminine. I don't feel like. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that is, yeah, that is a specific thing there. Like that, that could have been the the butt of the joke. Like the the scenes during the um, American Idol scene uh, show where Gus and Dahlia like keep having to sit next to each other, and you know they're kind of battling against each other with quips. But it's all quips about you know their respective proteges. It has nothing to do with how the other ones look or how they're. Uh, not attractive. Yeah, no one resorts to ad hominem or uh, your mom jokes in that, sc- yeah. in that scenario. <laughs> we, we have a bit more maturity there, uh, but which is a weird thing to say about those two in particular. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that is very fun watching them. So effectively, effectively, the bickering parents is very amusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, on that note, uh, Jason Bardota as Gus. Um, I mean, oh wait, no, actually, you know what, before we get to guys, we should talk about Ronnie. Yeah, let's... <laughs> don't like, I, I don't, don't sleep you. I don't on Roddy. Don't sleep on Roddy, the Roddy. He, he's like, the, go- he's like the, the golden pig, the golden goose. Everything that they need, Roddy's got them covered. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's amazing because, again, as I mentioned before, he's kind of a dork and he does suck, but at the same time, he's also oh, the person who gets a lot of things done for them. Oh, he's not. I mean, he's a dork, but it's he's not like brief from Penny and Stocking. You know, he's actually competent at what he does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's funny you say that because uh, he, okay. I mean, like he's not explicitly trying to get in their pants or anything, but he does. He does occasionally make comments like, "Oh, are they saying things about me?" So like, yeah. So yeah. So like he. So like he is. At least partially after something, but you know, he, do, he does. Occasion- but, but 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 he's not like you know particularly about it. Yeah. He does occasionally brag about being their first fan, 
And I think that's kind of the extent of it. Sure. Yeah. Like, he's, I mean, I think um, in a, a circle of professionals, there's a couple of friends or uh, roadies who, you know, they're never going to be musicians or artists or actors. So they're just kind of happy to watch other people's success and they're happy to help in whatever way they can. And I feel like that's what roadies' benefits are. Other than nice being like guy. a mixer and music producer. That's a good point. I, I keep forgetting that, though. I'm, I'm sorry, I, like, they mentioned that he's not a traitor. He was already on Erdogan's, uh, you know, he was working for him already. And I forget. Oh, yeah, he's technically a musician, too. Yeah, he has a day job. He, he's decently well off at it, too. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he has a day job. He has actual connections, which is, like, surprising, but he has them. Which is more than right. we can say about Gus. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Gus. Uh, the uh, I, I don't even know what uh, what what was the name of the band that uh, he was a part of. I I should have written it down, but I didn't. Uh, I said, uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember. I don't remember either. I just remember like uh, very clearly washed up former producer. I mean, former musician. It's not washed yeah, up producer, not, and here we are. It's not the lazy janitors, but that is the band name that came into mind. Uh, it was it was something similar to that, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I I think that this character is a lot of fun to have around because I I never quite got a a sense of is he actually good at what he does. It's like he's got connections just because he's been around the industry for a while, but he's never the one who like gets them their first gig or helps them get their contract or. Uh, almost anything. He doesn't help them make a good music video. That plan has to be scrapped. But they just keep him around because he he, 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 he lost their first paycheck on dogs. Yeah, yeah. So damn dogs just wouldn't run. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do very much appreciate the joke early on where, like, you know, uh, where he's uh, where he's trying to do all these tricks to like get Carol to on a fast track, and he assumes he can do it because you know. He's got connections, but he also has to take into account how the industry has changed. So that mm-hmm. so uh, his inability to roll with time is just kind of like constantly working against him. While Roddy is <laughs> usually the one who is like actually getting things done for Carol Tuesday. It feels like arguably they could have just gone the uh, the slow and steady route that the uh, route that they dismissed early on, and things would have worked out just fine. Of just slowly building up uh, word of mouth by doing gigs. And I would have appreciated that, honestly. Um, the, the qualm I have, and I, I only realized this after finishing the show, is that I expected more of what Beck Mongolian Chop Squad did really well, which was, yeah, that slow build of not just popularity, but also skill. In this show, Carol and Tuesday are basically goddesses in music already. They don't need to get any better. But in this show, that's what they were going for. They were going for... Let's have them be good already, and early on start building that clout. Yeah. They they can very easily just improv new uh, new music. They can they're not spending a lot of time uh, get with writer's block or practicing. I mean, I, I mean, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, in the first fair, half. Do, okay, I mean, to, okay, I mean, to be fair, we do see like mod concerts of them like coming up with songs. Like we like we don't spend a lot of time like. After we watch it on practice, it most mostly happens like in off-screen yeah. montages and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's not like they aren't doing anything. It's just we don't see a lot of the process in particular, I guess. I, yeah, we, we spend way more time with, with like, Gus, um, like, trying to work their way into the system because Watanabe and Hiro have commentary about the music industry and the nonsense you have to go through. And by golly, we're going to show you how bad it is. We have bigger fish to fry. We can't be waiting around for them to get a contract in episode 20. Yeah. Like, so, again, but I would have appreciated that. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Noah, that uh, Beck was very fresh in my mind, and I prefer that approach. But uh, this ha- this wanted to, to do some fun things with the American Idol story and wanted to do uh, you know the bigger commentary where you kind of need to be charting to tell these stories. Right. So. It, it's a function of uh, what they the story they wanted to tell. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, to credit to Jason, uh, his delivery of um, the larger set guy who's still got a lot of enthusiasm uh, definitely shines through. Um, and I know that Megan's brought this up before that sometimes dubs will do the stupid thing of fat character must have fat sounding voice like this. And they didn't go that route with Jason. They made him sound, or with um, Gus, they made Jason give him a very believable, slightly older, you know, washed-up rock star kind of vibe, who's still a good person. You know, he's not trying to skim money off of Carolyn Tuesday for himself. He legitimately stops drinking and helps them get to where they need to be. He's using that same voice when he's young and skinny. Uh, Yeah, 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 I thought that was pretty amusing. God, he... Such a contrast, so before and after pictures... Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, I, I think like the one part where he, he's like showing why he's a good manager is when he turns down the contract with uh, Catherine and the mm-hmm. uh, brightest record label uh, because he's been down this road before and he's not going to make those same mistakes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Admittedly, we don't know why he's doing that at the time, so it does. So at the time, it seemed like a very odd decision, but once we get the full story, it's like, okay, yeah, this makes perfect it, sense now. It feels arrogant in a way that's consistent with his character to that point, but in retrospect, it's there's deeper reasons to it, and he is looking out for the girls in that way. So I appreciate that. Yeah, like he, yeah, he never like pushes them to change their sound or their style exactly. Like, I, and I was trying to think, like, even in those early episodes. He pushes them to uh, take part in some events that give them more exposure, but he never says, wear this, uh, sing about this, um, you know, change your persona, be more active on Instagram. Like, he basically lets them be who they are. Well, yeah, not, not a lot of music managers will do that, so he's good people. Yeah, Jason, <laughs> Gus is good people. Yeah. Not bad for a guy that's introduced with a uh, shining reference. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's beautiful. Just all oh, the the face through yeah. the door. Just all the fold of skin in his face, trying to squeeze through that uh, crack. The animators <laughs> were definitely having fun with him because uh, every time he's moving around, there's a lot to animate, and they keep him in proportion really well yeah. compared to like some of the slimmer. Um, uh, you know, less uh, husky characters. There's a lot more to animate on Gus, and uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, one last bit of the performance I want to highlight because it's something I do just simply appreciate is that uh, 
he also does some of the uh, narration for the show, like he does the opening uh, narration we see in every episode, and some of the other narration. And I appreciate it. Like at the beginning, you aren't sure if it's just like general general narration or it's actually supposed to be Gus. And then we learned that it actually is Gus, but which is an amusing contrast because he does like sound very serious when he's doing the narration, and then sometimes he'll like slip back into character, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's like, Wait, <laughs> or, or that, like that's like me from, from like the narrator's chair. Yeah, like one of the our characters will will quip off of his narration. Like, is that really how it happened? Which, by the way, uh, you will not notice that if um, you let Netflix skip the opening, because not only will it skip the ending credits, the opening credits of the next episode, it will also skip that part of the um, uh, the narration as well. It'll just go straight to the next episode's start. Yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate yeah, but... a skip uh, recap feature, but you, you do miss some stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I missed um, the amazing ending credit song uh, the first couple episodes because I couldn't skip the do not skip credits button fast enough. Ah. Ah, 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 that's a good song. It, that's my favorite song. I, I've listened to that nonstop since we uh, started planning this episode. Hold me now. Hold me now. I'm trying to be fulfilled. This is what my heart's been waiting for. Yeah. That, that, that one is a bop where it's very easy, easily a yeah. earworm. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, with that, it's time to uh, finally talk about our main characters. So, Yay. Uh, Angela. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for our last three characters, we have uh, Carol Stanley, Tuesday Simmons, and Angela Carpenter. Uh, so, Carol is a refugee from Earth who's lived on the streets of Mars, mostly on her own. Uh, Tuesday is a sheltered rich girl who decides she went away from home to achieve her dream of being a musician and is, and is immediately taken in by Carol singing after hearing her perform on a bridge. And Angela is a former child actor and model who decides to step into the world of professional singing and wants to one-up Carol and Tuesday. And surprisingly, is not uh, villainized as much as uh, you may expect. Uh, as Jackson was kind of alluding to, it kind of feels like she's the star of the show. Of the show. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah. That's what it's like. It's a running B plot throughout, where we're constantly flipping back to uh, Angela to see what she's up to, and yeah. and it often has nothing to do with Carol and Tuesday, which is good because yeah. it shows an entirely different um, side of the the music industry that we don't get from Carol and Tuesday. Yep. Uh, so, uh, playing these characters, uh, Carol is played by Judy Toronto, uh, Tuesday is played by Brianna Knickerbocker, and Angela is played by Ryan Bartley. Um, uh, Toronto has played such characters as Lutz in Ascent of the Bookworm, Fight of Black Clover, and Zera in Fairytale Zero, and Character and Clay said, My Next Life is a Villainous, All Roads Lead to Doom. Uh, Brianna Knickerbocker has played such characters as Aki and Arahana, uh, Macy Balatir in Burn the Witch, Raman ReZero, and Jisaki Hiradara in Long the Sea. And then Ryan Bartley has played such characters 
as Rem in ReZero, Mia in Two Year Eternity, uh, Misha, uh, Misa Nisimori and Yusa Nisimori in Charlotte, uh, Andrew's favorite show, and Ray <laughs> Ayanami in the current dub of Neon Genesis Evangelion. But which one? I, I literally just said the current dub. The Kara. Okay, I thought you. I thought you said current, and I was like, there are many current dubs. Thank you. Yeah, I thought you said current too, so I was like, uh, uh, okay, okay. I was gonna say VSI, but like, okay, well, VSI Kara just any it, term other than Netflix one because I don't feel it's very accurate. <laughs> yeah, we we need uh, we need better. Uh, I'm sorry, we need uniform terminologies to describe which dub of Evangelion we're referencing. Letter indexed. Color coded. Yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, you need to know who to blame for stuff. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The, the entire point of doing this podcast is to identify who to blame for stuff. Yeah. His name is Andrew. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? Um, so yeah, this is um, this is the three mains of the show, and um, I'll I'll just be straightforward. Um. Jeannie and Brina do a good job um, because Carol and Tuesday do not have nearly as much personality as Angela does. Um, the show wanted the two of them to have their own kind of distinct quirks that separate them, but they're not really that dynamic. Um, whereas Angela is volatile and aiming to please everyone around her, but also to make a name for herself. And Ryan gets to have a ton of fun with that kind of a personality. So I don't have a ton of notes for Jeannie and Brina, Brianna because, again, most of the standout acting performances, I felt, went to Angela's character. And that's that's just what stuck out more. To the point that, yeah, I, I, I messaged these guys saying, I feel like I, I'm, I'm connecting with Angela's story a whole lot more just because she's got way more... Uh, angst and personality than Carolyn Tuesday. Uh, yeah, yeah but... I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. She definitely has a lot more going on, but I do, so I, so I do like Carolyn Tuesday a lot. They're, they're good kids. Yeah. The, the title of the show oh. is Angie and Tao. <laughs> At least I thought it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but I do think, yeah, but I do think, uh, GD and Brina's performances have a very good. I uh, have a very good sense of chemistry. Uh, Tuesday being, you know, let's uh, uh, you know, being uh, kind of, you know, the rich girl who's like a little uh, out of depth and maybe doesn't like totally understand the way of things, which I thought came across in Bria's performance very well. Uh, contrasted with Carol, who's like, you know, maybe a little more down to earth and kind of a lot more casual about things, which is a which is an aspect of Judy's performance I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it was, and it was fun. It was fun kind of seeing uh, those enemies bounce off each other. I, I really do like their energy, especially. Like, Jeannie's got the, yeah, this homegirl energy uh, going on with her, uh, where she's uh, get getting streetwise with uh, people and such things. And I, I like how uh, she... Her nickname for uh, Tuesday is Twos, uh, which, checking on the uh, Japanese title, is uh, reveals that uh, Japan pronounces it with, with the British way, with uh, CH out front, which was a fun thing to discover. Shoot. Oh, okay. Tuesday. 
or like, ah. like they they don't have a tu sound, so they oh. so that's what they're substituting in there. Interesting. Uh, Brianna is like very uh, you know out of her depth uh, kind of expression. She was where I uh, noticed that the uh, voice matching against the singing voices was uh, out of out of step a little bit. Like she yeah. she feels kind of like a different character while singing, and it's not nece- and I'm not necessarily seeing where that's coming from in Brianna's con- performance and uh, Tuesday's day to day life in there. But yeah. I do appreciate yeah. like the. The energy to it, the character design to it. You know, I, I like a character with freckles, for example. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. I do also appreciate that. While you know, uh, she's not particularly dramatic about it. So, uh, I do like how we uh, kind of gradually learn more about Carol's situation over the course of the show, and how like she, and how like she grew up in a refugee camp, uh, didn't really uh, grow uh, grow up with a lot of family and. I just kind of mostly had to uh, kind of make her own way in the world yeah. uh, throughout, uh, you know, throughout her life, and that comes across in Dee Dee's performance. And I appreciate that. Uh, you get the sense like she's not, you know, like particularly bitter about her circumstances or anything, and it just kind of, you know, come to terms no. with the with, uh, the with her life being what it is, and that it does uh, come across pretty well in her tune, I think, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, the arc of her of the whole story is not her like learning to cope with her hardships. It's that yeah, she's put that behind her, and now she's got a dream to make music. And yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. Um, it's uh, it does feel like the more tragic elements about you know, being a refugee, having no family, the things that kind of tie into the uh, pro-immigrant subplots don't really define her character though yeah. you know it's like she doesn't feel so compelled to fight for immigrants rights uh even though she's a refugee herself she only really gets involved in it because she has a friend who was deported due to this uh bonkers policy being proposed yeah. I, I was getting the same vibe from tuesday as well of uh uh kyle the reporter had to coax out of her you know your friend is at risk of being deported if uh your mom mom's policy passes and that's when she's not like yeah that would be bad wouldn't it <laughs> yeah she hasn't really uh put two and two together uh quite mm-hmm. yet so they that gets them to start thinking about that about those things but it makes sense that it only comes into play near the end of the show because uh not to disparage people who try to do multiple things in a story but the pro-immigrant stuff and the music stuff don't really connect to each other. They try to force a connection near the end by saying that we're singing because uh, we're being silenced because uh, freedom to speech is being taken away. And we're watching this like, no, it's not freedom of speech that's being silenced. It's people from outside of Mars who are literally being deported. That's not the same as a musician not being able to sing a song. Mm-hmm. I, I it's uh, I mean, I, all my notes on again on the okay, show. Okay, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, to be, okay, I mean, to, okay, I mean, to play a bit of devil's advocate. I mean, it was sure. 
Okay, I mean, it was at least noted, like, during the Holy Rest when Ezekiel that, okay, that he, okay, that he had been on Mars illegally for a very long time. Yeah. And was, like, and was very specifically not targeted for deportation until he started thinking about those circumstances. So, in a sense, that was, so in a sense, that was kind of about censorship, even if, you know, that's not the very specific point there. The censorship against some policies, not yes. all of us here. Like, all the artists uh, singing We Are the World are not in danger. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, so, yeah, all those artists are not, yeah, like, obviously not all those artists are in danger of, yeah. that are in danger of being deported or anything, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, what that's, is it, what is it at the end of the show that actually does cause um, uh, Valerie to uh, change her mind? Is it the song? No, it's not the power of music that's uh, saving the day here. No, the song does jack all for the problem. <laughs> it's just a nice thing to go over the credits as we, uh, as uh, everybody uh, okay, reckons I mean, with their moms. Okay, I mean, okay, I mean, I guess it was just supposed to be like a form, like some form of protest, which is, you know, appreciated, even if it doesn't particularly solve the problem. Yeah, it, it, it's okay, like I was... okay, okay. I mean, okay, I mean, it would be one thing if. If it was like explicitly so, do one hundred percent solve everything, but it doesn't. It's just supposed to, I guess, get. I guess it's supposed to be in a sense get you thinking about the problem in a sense, which, again, you know, so could have been, could have you know maybe handled that a little better. But yeah, I yeah. appreciate the effort. I I mean I I almost wonder if I would have appreciated uh, what you were kind of describing of. What if the song did make everyone solve all the problems? It's like everyone was racist, and then they heard the song, and they suddenly weren't racist anymore, and it was rainbows and sunshine everywhere. Like that's unrealistic, but that's at least entertaining. Okay, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, I was, I mean, okay, I mean, I was very, okay, I mean, I was inter- entertained at like the cops showing up to try to stop them from thinking that one's kind of amusing. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. It's like, oh no, the thought, thought police are here. Not mice. Oh god. They're biker mice from Mars. Oh god. No, they're not They're not trying to shut down uh, free speech. They're just uh, members of Disney here for the um, copyright police. That's why they're called mice. I knew we gave them too much power. Anyways, uh, so yeah, um, the uh, yeah the performances on all three of these uh, actresses kind of uh, have to carry the heart of the show, and because uh, Brianna and Jeannie sound distinct from each other, you know, like you're not going to confuse the two of them if you're not watching who's speaking on screen. Um, their contrast works off each other very well, and it fits with the whole singer-songwriter uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, Lennon McCartney kind of dynamic that the show is clearly going for. Yeah. It's not what I would have done myself, but it's definitely fitting for what Watanabe was going for. I, yeah, I do appreciate the uh, jam sessions and the you know feeling each other out and getting to know each other through through music. Like that uh, that scene in the first episode where they're composing uh, the loneliest girl and uh, Brianna's got that big oversized g- guitar that she's trying to get a hold of. Uh, it's touches like that that I uh, do appreciate Uh, yeah and before I forget I wanted to make a point of uh, I appreciate 
uh, Brianna and Tuesday getting more outspoken as the show goes on. Uh, goofing off a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Doing yeah. bad accents. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty fun. And then uh, going back around to uh, uh, to Ryan's performance as Angela. Again, again, uh, divorcing it from uh, the passing problems. I did like this performance a lot. I would say, I didn't even say on an acting front, it was probably one of my favorite performances in the, in the dub. I thought, it's, uh, I thought it was pretty well acted, especially during... The back half of the show where Angela is suddenly going through a lot because, like, mm-hmm. everything happens to her all at once. Uh, her, uh, sorry, uh, uh, she's starting to have her positive career. Her mom's suddenly in the hospital and then dies. And then, like, and then, mm-hmm. uh, like, and then on top of that, she finds out, uh, oh, uh, turns out she is a designer baby, which is a definitely not a plot <laughs> point I would expect from this show. Oh, she doesn't learn that until the last episode, right? Like, it's Tao who tells her she's a designer baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. yeah. But she does find out that she's adopted. Yeah. That that throws her for a loop. As well as her manager getting arrested. Which, that's a lot for a 13-year-old to handle. 13? Isn't she... Uh, I, I don't know. Ages in the uh, uh, okay, okay, I mean, I know Carol and Tuesday were stated to be 17 at the beginning of the show, and I'm guessing... She's supposed to be around her age, so yeah, like seventeen. I, I think. Well, I could be misremembering, but I, I remember near the beginning of the show, uh, she was explaining that she was a child star, and that um, she, her mom wanted her to avoid the pitfalls of you know child actresses being forgotten by pivoting over to music. I think what I might be mis- I'm misremembering is that the mom herself was also a child star, and that she said that by thirteen. She was at the top of the world, and then a few years later, everyone forgot her. Yeah, I, th- I so think you, that's. You got much I right. think that's about right. I think she went uh, child star, into model, into singer. So like in right. in those teenage years, she was doing modeling. Gotcha. That makes that makes a lot more sense. Either way, still still a lot for a teenager to handle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I suspect like when things are going bad, uh, we know because she starts doing a lot of painkillers. And uh, over-the-counter yeah. uh, medication, uh, and I suspect that that wasn't the first time that's happened. I suspect that I suspect that that's a bad habit that she returned to a, co- a previous coping me- mechanism. And I, I didn't I didn't really make the connection until that scene, but I feel like that's why Flora was also introduced because we see a very similar, you know, her grabbing a handful of pills to deal with her anxiety, which kind of let prepared us for seeing the same thing happen to Angela just a couple episodes later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Angela's really great and really compelling, like from the get go of just the step of, uh, you want me to be your puppet? I'll do it. I, I don't care if you, uh, use me. I, as long as I get what I want from this, uh, transaction, which is, mm-hmm. which is to sing and be a star. She will be the perfect puppet. Uh, her real only hang-up is uh, she's real worried about being replaced uh, quite often. So, uh, so so long as she stays unique and stays useful to other people, she's uh, she's all good. 
And, now, thank, yeah. thankfully, though, of course, that that's not going to happen in our world. Like, there's no way that you can replace an actress with, you know, I, I don't know, like a, a 3D version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that would never happen in movies nowadays, a, ever. A perfect AI copy of them. No, don't yeah. don't worry. That's silly. That that technology we'll never see in our lifetime. Okay, <laughs> okay, you know what? I probably can't even like how the copyright to that song Diddy will come after us. Yes, yeah. they will. Yeah. We we've been dunking a lot on the mess this episode. Uh, yeah. Now I do appreciate speaking of the uh, perfect AI replacement. That uh, when that comes into the picture, it's uh, that same Angela that we saw at the at the beginning of the show of just this obnoxious and narcissistic uh, character compared to the one that's uh, fallen apart a little bit. It seems. Mm-hmm. So. Because that's all AI can do is it can really mimic the personality that it was programmed for at the time. Yeah. It does not know how to evolve to match the personality that a person will become in the future. Yeah. And Ryan's doing a great ch- job of making those uh, two distinct for that uh, short scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and again, yeah, and again, uh, from the side, I will, uh, I will also say that it, I will also say that again. Like, I love Carol Tuesday; they were good girls, but pretty much all of Angela's songs were better, frankly. This is also true. That was there's a reason she won the Grammys. Who still cares about a Grammy in whatever future year this takes place in? Yeah. I asked and, you. And that, that, that's where my suspension of disbelief just stops. And they somehow made the Grammy seem great, brave and progressive for uh, letting those performances carry on. Mm-hmm. Somehow. I mean, it's the Grammys have a long history of not letting controversy stop performers from performing on stage. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, little, uh, bit of, uh, so, uh, yeah, wait, I mean, it was nice to let her, uh, they let her perform given everything that was going on with, so at the time, but uh, at the same time, uh, she also probably shouldn't have, uh, performed there. Uh, now, now, in that scene, uh, the scene where, you know, she's one artist of the year and she's got a really broken personality, are we sure that that performance was also, was the Japanese and that wasn't Ryan singing? Uh, I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure that was sold the Japanese singer Lisa. Okay, I mean that that would make sense. Um, just yeah. the way that the music was recorded. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, I mean I will. Yeah, I mean I will say that was very good, like music based acting. Yeah, yeah. The not not off key, but like a very defeated and clearly not your A game performance. Mm-hmm. So, and still yeah, somehow one of the best numbers in the show. It, it, it does get to you mm. if you are if you care about Angela. You can slip in a little uh, breaking down into the master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she should have totally gotten a chance to, to not stop that stalker guy. That would have made everything better. Back where way. Oh. I think that's all the notes I've got. Uh, yeah, I guess we're good to move into final thoughts. Final thoughts, woo! Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I'm uh, glad I got to. Uh, uh, gl I'm glad I got to revisit this show. Uh, I, I, uh, I liked it a lot uh, when I finally got to uh, watch it in 2019 when it was freed from Netflix sale and uh, like and uh, like getting to watch it again. Uh, it's simply not a perfect show by any means. Uh, as a, uh, the, Amer uh, the American Idol plot is like maybe a little too long, and like there are a couple of points about uh, the immigration stuff that could have been handled better. I feel, but that's mm -hmm. uh, uh, but on the whole, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable show. And uh, given the current and you know, given the current the state of the U.S. at the time and the state of the U.S. is still in. I appreciate a show like this taking the time to uh, call out terrible, to call out terrible policies and be completely unsettled about that. Uh, we uh, it is always nice when shows just you know drop any pretense and are just like yeah, and just like yeah, you know we're we're talking about here. It's Man. very much appreciated. Man, when did anime start getting so political? I mean, back in my day, we had non-political anime like Gundam and. There was no politics in it at all. What's this nonsense? <laughs> yeah. Cer certainly and no uh, politics in the uh, Astro Boy anime back in 1963. Tessica was totally apolitical. Wasn't making commentary at all. Yeah. And, uh, that, yeah, and then, uh, as for the dub, again, uh, have my problems with uh, some of the casting here, and I do think it is a mark against the dub that it frankly, should not have had to begin with. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, divorced from that, I do think it is at least a solid-sounding dub. It is, but, but it is at least, you know, important to know that if you want to watch it in English, you should at least be aware of that particular caveat, because, again, it is a thing that should probably not have happened. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so, uh, but on the whole, this is a show I would... This is a this is a show I would probably this is a show I would definitely recommend watching. It's pretty, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good time. A pretty fun show about music. Has some, has some solid if not perfect social commentary. It's a pretty good time. Yeah, I, I like, I like that this show exists. Uh, we have dropped the phrase "devil's advocate" no less than three times this episode, uh, which tells you just like <laughs> how kind of like the ideas being discussed here are important to have uh or these discussions are important to have about these ideas uh it's it's thought-provoking in ways that are interesting because it's kind of cliche and straightforward in its message and it's in a way i appreciate you know uh the voice acting and scripts and casting uh i i was enjoying my time throughout this show uh in enjoying the energy to it ha having a lot of fun with it getting uh invested in uh angela's story in particular i think uh yeah it i'm glad i uh put this back on the watch list to come back to later even if uh like a american idol parody wasn't what i was into at the time <laughs> so yeah I'm probably going to be the, the most um, least complimentary uh, of this group here. Um, I am also glad that I got a chance to watch this uh, for this episode, because this was also on my two-watch list for a while. And from the get-go, it seemed like it had all the elements that I would enjoy, but 
Um, like, I really do feel like the show was the victim of having a lot of ideas that didn't all mesh with each other, and maybe you should have held off on some of them for a different series. Um, it's just something that happens sometimes when creators get a lot of freedom to do their own projects, and they, again, they, they want to talk about everything, and you don't have to talk about everything in your production. You, you can curate a little bit more. That being said, the elements that work really well, um, that being the very righteous anger at the system displayed in the last half of it, the goofier episodes, which we didn't really talk about, like, the music video they tried to make, or just the the more silly episodic episodes from the first half of it, are enjoyable to watch. And the music is, again, very good when it is good. Some of it's just uh, kind of runs right through you, is just kind of pleasant to listen to, but not something you're going to remember. But the bops or the rap that um, Ezekiel puts on are really stand out. So I, I can't fault audio-wise a show that has that element to it. And the reason I'm talking about the show and the music more is because all the actors here did a, exactly what they needed to do. There's no funny quirks or goofy edges that were added to ramp up any part of the show, really. This is a very good example of how to localize something for an English-speaking audience. So seamless that you barely even notice that there was a Japanese to begin with. And that, ideally, is what all good dubs should accomplish. I, th I think this one also had an easy layup of uh, the original production wanted it to ha have this kind of appeal and uh, English presentation. Oh, certainly. There's the, the, um, Watanabe had gone on record as saying that the source for this show was he wanted people to appreciate Western music more, mm -hmm. which, surprise, the guy who made a show called Cowboy Bebop has an appreciation for Western music. You, you know what happened? You know what's going to happen when you pass uh, Watanabe the aux cord? I'm scared to ask. Well, you're going to get... Uh, you're going to get a soundtrack like this, basically. <laughs> That's true. So, mm -hmm. and, and now I have that goddamn ending song stuck in my head. Mm. So, thank you for that, Jet. And Aunt Jackson. Actually, I forget who recommended this episode for uh, our birthday episode. So it was my idea to make a birthday episode, and this was uh, Jet's right, uh, suggestion. Right. Okay, uh, yeah, we threw around a few, and I think and I think Carol and Newton would do what I decided. Like, you know what? I've been wanting to do... I've been wanting to, to talk about this show for a yeah. while, because I, did, and because I did like it, but, you know, I also, I also acknowledge, you know... Uh, it would be at least a little awkward to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but, I'm glad, uh, but I'm glad we got to do it, and I'm glad I got to do it, you guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, same here. Same here. So wh where can the, the fine folks listen to and watch Carol and Tuesday on their own? Uh, currently, it is only available on Netflix. So, uh, yeah, i got to pony up for that. Or, so, or you know... Uh, or bump off someone's or bump off someone's account while you can still do that before Netflix takes that away. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is another one of those unfortunate instances of a series streaming only, no home media release in sight in Region One. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was like doing a couple of panels at Otakon about about it, so uh, seemed like they might have it, but I guess they don't. So uh, yeah. 
Unfortunate. Yeah. But enough about uh, that. So, the important yeah. people. Yeah, uh, so uh, that's where you could watch uh, Carolyn Tuesday, but uh, if if you care about anything we do, uh, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, you can find us on uh, the Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram, Tumblr is eternally dead in the water, just not always. Uh, we have uh, we have new episodes going up every Friday on YouTube, Spotify, Podbean, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, if you'd like to support us, you can do it through a one-time donation on our Kofi, or you could be one of our lovely Patreon, one of our lovely Patreons. And uh, before we uh, t- and uh, before we close tonight, I'd like to give a shout out to our patrons in the five dollar tier. We've got Baggins, Mom and Dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but we Alley Hands, Effective Maribona, and in the ten dollar tier, we've got Anthony Brown, Carly Westacow, Crimson Akinda, Jacob Wilson. Jared Hawkins, I'm Earth Valenti, and Taco Anthony. Uh, thanks for your support, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. We couldn't continue to do this without your amazing support. Okay, uh, so is there anything you guys would like to plug? Yeah, uh, I'll go first then. I'm Jackson, uh, Nine Claw Tiger, over on Twitter. Uh, I have various various editing projects that I have not touched in many years. Uh, but I also do uh, Twitch streams for uh, here for the podcast uh, every Monday. Uh, right now, I am playing Fire Emblem, uh, the Echoes Shadows Over Valencia games, which was uh, on 3DS and one of the first ones with full voice acting. So that's real fun. Or, or you can come over on Tuesdays and watch me and Aman uh, play Valhalla and show off our bad voice acting. Uh, cool, uh, Noah? You can follow me on Twitter, at Noah Clue. I have all the discussions about animation from around the world because that is where the cool people are discussing things. Or if you're not really into following people for animation discussions, um, just follow me because I post pictures of my kids and our puppy. Um, you know, the, the things that the things the internet was really made for. Pictures of their cute kids and their pets. So, uh, yeah. those are the nice things I have. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, as for me, I'm uh, Chet. You can find me on Twitter at DefineDaga. I will usually uh, be talking about uh, animation, films, uh, whatever is going on in the world, I guess. Uh, you can also find me on another podcast, Podcast of a Day, where I will usually be talking about anime news alongside fellow dub talk host Andrew. And, uh, and, I, and I also gotten back on Twitch streams. Uh, yes. On Thursdays, I'm playing Astral Chain, so uh, you can come watch me play that, I guess. Is it more anime nonsense? Mm-hmm. It looks like anime nonsense. Uh, uh, oh yeah, it is a, oh yeah, it's from Platinum Games, so, uh, it's got a little bit of that bait and a flair, but more sci-fi. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, that more or less, uh, wraps us up for tonight. Uh, thank you for joining me, guys. Yeah. Alright. No, sing your song. Put, put your voice out there. T- tell people, uh, what your soul is screaming out 
even if it's a uh, fucking bullshit. And remember to row, row, fight the power. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that more uh, or less wraps us up. Uh, thanks for joining us, and until next time, we're talking about friends. Aloha. Bye, Nee. No, 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 no